We're so excited to share a new addition to the Critical Role family with our podcast, Midst. In this semi-improvised audio drama, journey to the small desert planet of Midst and follow the lives of three complicated antiheroes as they deal with falling moons, unsolved murders, cult brainwashing, supernatural darkness, and a whole clusterfuck of cosmic problems. Look to the Midstal of the Week, a.k.a. Wednesdays, for new weekly episodes at Midst.co, your favorite podcast app, or Critical Role's YouTube channel. The Candela Obscura Core Rulebook has arrived and is ready for you to dive into. Visit DarringtonPress.com slash Candela to learn more. Greetings, investigators. My name is Talison Jaffe, and welcome to the podcast version of our tabletop role-playing show, Candela Obscura, created by Critical Role Productions. If you accept the supernatural risks and dare to stream Candela Obscura as it airs, you can join us on the last Thursday of the month at 7 p.m. Pacific on twitch.tv slash critical role or on youtube.com slash critical role. Otherwise, you can find the podcast version of the show right here on our Candela Obscura show page and the video version on our YouTube channel two weeks after the initial stream. Now then, investigators, with these formalities settled, let us begin this chilling tale. What keeps the children of Hale safe from their curiosity? Nursery rhymes serve as cautionary tales to explain Candela Obscura's earliest adversaries. So when a creature of legend returns to the hollowed labyrinth of Grayslate, a new and unusual circle of investigators is formed, tasked to face an unholy corruption. As the unsuspecting Neuferans bear witness to this macabre phenomena, each investigator must steal their mind, perhaps even from themselves. The Circle of Tide and Bone, assignment number 3158, The Antiquarian. built, middle-aged man with sun-freckled skin shuffles silently through the moonlit corridors of a facility built to brutal scale and proportion. He's a study of white in pristine cotton pajamas of a patient of the gray slate sanatorium matching his prematurely white hair. Silva Sarkis, one, at one time the pride of the Office of Unexplained Phenomena, swallows his fear 
and remembers himself and his training through the haze of his mind now that he's gone gray. There's a mystery here, and he seems to be the only one out of the shambling masses, out of the administrators that turn a blind eye up to the challenge of solving it. There's a sound as he moves, shuffling the shifting of fabric, something rhythmic that breaks through the silence of this terrible place. Following as fast as he dares, he reaches a dull gray wooden door slightly ajar. Inside, he sees a nun. He knows her name to be Sister Ivar, and she seems to be slowly lowering him herself across the lap of Director Greenvale. Director Greenvale's eyes are rolled back in ecstasy and expectation. And then this moment uh, that blushes this older man's cheeks uh, is snapped out of reverie as a hand bashes into the window and they both turn and look. Silva, squinting, sees in the moonlight a face he recognizes, another patient that's dropped off the face of the map. Every time he inquired, where did he go? No one gets checked out here. He was met with a shrug or a casual brushing aside, but this man beats on the window with fingers worked down to bloody shreds, caked in mud, and turns and sprints across the lawn to a clearing. That startle is just enough time for Silva to get out of the way. He hides in an alcove as both the nun and the director get up and run through the corridors and outside. Silva doesn't trust that he can remain unseen. He can't follow as fast. There's nowhere to hide. There's no escaping the sanatorium, except he's torn. He doesn't know if he should go and find and follow and understand, or if, it should, or if he should take this chance and leave. No one gets to leave Grace Lake. He's been sent here, like so many periphery officers before him, who have seen too much, who have experienced too much, things I can't put words to. And he's been locked away forever, but this is his chance. Maybe he can't solve the mystery of what took this patient and several others away, but there is no other chance for him to make his way to freedom. So, not knowing anything but the hunch in his gut, fueled by the haze and the bleed and the stacked trauma of all the things he's seen, he turns and flees. And somehow, he makes it out. He makes his way to the only people that he could trust with his information. Not the periphery, not any of the administrators of the triumvirate. He wanders the streets of the Seidel until he finds someone with a small diamond pin from Candela Obscura and hopes that he will finally be believed. <sighs> Welcome to New Fair. 
It's a mild day in late spring, though every year seems to recover uh, from the chill of the previous winter uh, with less and less uh, enthusiasm. There's banners of green and copper de uh, decorating the finer parts of the city as it celebrates the 15th anniversary of the end of the last great war. The city is buzzy and alive as the electricity flows through it, as the energy of a world moving back to life flows through it. And citizens appear in generally good spirits, if such a thing can be said, to be known through the slightly dirty, dingy window of a quirky little occult bookshop tucked away in a quiet street in the Seidel, the westernmost district in the city of New Fair, sprawling out towards West Rec as middle-class comforts drive growth. With tome-laden walls, the antiquarian we find Lightkeeper Nakari, a tall, dark-skinned person, uh, bald, clean-shaven, with broad, smooth features, uh, perpetually dressed in the same shiny uh, gray sharkskin material cut into suits of the style of the time, whispering sort of fervently in soft but tense conversation with one Cosmo Grimm, the owner of this place, a chapter house of Candela Obscura. Liam, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Yes, of course. Tell us what we're looking at. Well, welcome to uh, the Antiquarian, my uh, bookshop that houses uh, many uh, fascinating tomes on the history of the region and uh, occult subjects. Uh, my name is Cosmo Grimm. I'm 97 years old this year. I'm a thin, wiry old gentleman wearing a jacket of tweed that is a little large for me and a bow tie that is definitely too large and I roll about the shop in a brass wheelchair. Spend any amount of time with me and you'll notice a small electrical engine attached to the back. But for the most part, I wheel myself about with ease. This is my shop. I have been a part of Candela Obscura for many, many decades. I've passed on offers to Retire to lightkeeper status. I enjoy the field. I enjoy the hunt. I enjoy my own personal studies. And I enjoy my shop. As you, uh, your, as your conversation gets a little more pitched, I don't think it's until, uh, Nakari notices Eloise, uh, another retired member of Candela, who instead of becoming a light keeper, uh, decided to take a easy, uh, to have an easier life tending your shop and generally staying out of your way. She passes by a door and they look over and go, understood. And Akari uh, pulls up a chair and takes a seat across from you, still leaning in, still uh, as keyed up as they, they were before. Cosmo. Yes. I, I've pushed this off as lo long as I could, but 
This is it. This is your last chance. You have to retire. You are a one-man repository of so much information, so much research. You are wasted in the field and you... And he looks down at your legs in your chair and you can see him trying to figure out how best to broach the subject of your decreased mobility. Makari, Kendall has many capable light keepers. Surely you are staffed to the gills. There is no one here who has been around as long as you, and I know you know that. I've served in the field. I don't mind. I'm spry. You know that as well. Your ability to have avoided harm for this many decades, notwithstanding. You are too powerful an asset to lose, and I have pulled my last string on your behalf. So, you gave me some names weeks ago, the last time we had this fight, and it seems as though a new circle must be brought into being. I need you to understand. You've been searching for something for so long, and I don't presume to know what it is, or I can't speak to how council members speak of you behind closed doors, but this, this has to be it. Cosmo uh, looks we're sitting in Cosmo's study in the uh, rear of the shop. And Cosmo looks over his shoulder. There's a desk to the rear of the room and an oil painting on the wall of a ship tossed at sea in a storm. He gazes there a moment before turning back. Nakari, what exactly is it you are charging me with here? One final circle. You're in the field. They are your people. Take care of the assignment, as you always have. But once your circle breaks, in tremendous success or tragic circumstance, you leave the field. Become a lightkeeper. Continue your research. Or, and at that, they kind of lean and look in the direction of where Eloise is toddled off. Or, live a quiet life. This is it. I suppose we'll jump off that bridge when we come to it. For what it's worth, I'm sorry I couldn't do more. It's all right. I appreciate our years. I appreciate you. I know it's not entirely in your hands either. <sighs> I sent out the call. They should be arriving shortly, the three you asked for, but... One more with a specific tie to whatever this phenomenon is. I do believe you know him, though. A Dr. Rajan Savarimutu. Yes, I do. Good. He's a very bright young man. Yeah. I'd be happy to have him within a circle. As to the others, 
And at this, they lean in a little more. Not because there's a need to whisper, but the way you have spoken about your family, the way you refer to them, uh, the gravity of it implies a heart, uh, a need for secrecy. He'll be a part of it. Of course, you've been doing a great job of keeping an eye out for him, but I don't need to tell you that they're watching. Oh, yes. I cannot say I haven't had my suspicions. Yeah. I believe with all of my being that the work we do is good and just and necessary. But our methods are not always kind. We've always done what was needed. Not always comfortable, but definitely necessity dictated our, our ends. <sighs> I will brief them on arrival. And uh, as you see them kind of transitioning away from this like dark moment and sitting back into like the plush chair and reaching for a long cold cup of tea, uh, a little tinkle bell sounds as Doctor. You make your way into the Antiquarian. Ashley, would you like to describe what you look like? I'd love to. Um, so, Dr. Elsie Roberts is my name. Um, I'm 33 years old. And not forgetting briefly that the meeting was supposed to be happening here, I'm walking in a bit disheveled and I see Nakari and I start to surreptitiously tried to pin my hair up. It, my clothing is in the style of maybe two or three seasons ago. Mm. It's a little worse for the wear. Um, but I've made a, a, a very grand attempt to keep up appearances. So um, my hair, my makeup, everything is in the style of, of sort of the upper class, but it's obvious that I'm not living as well as they do. Um, so, I'm a little off kilter when I come in. Like keeping a curry. You're looking well. well. Dr. Roberts, welcome. I forgot we were doing this today, pardon me. <clears throat> and I notice as I'm sort of fidgeting that there's some blood under my fingernails. If you'll excuse me, I'm just going to freshen a little before the others arrive. Oh. And I go into the back and <clears throat> I go upstairs. Yes, join and us downstairs when you're ready. Uh, as you scrub up, uh, even over the sound of the water in the sink, you can hear a tinkle of a bell. You remember now that you were summoned to a meeting, but the only information was that your lightkeeper, Nakari, had a new assignment, a new circle, and the only person they mentioned was your longtime associate and roommate here uh, in the apartments of the antiquarian, Cosmo. You hear a little tinkle, and inside steps, unbeknownst to you, Oscar. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, sure. Um, <clears throat> the name is Oscar Grimm. I'm a little shorter than Sam Regal is. Uh, I'm 
Who? <laughs> Five foot six, uh, but stout, uh, broad-chested, broad shoulders, 200 pounds, sandy blonde hair, well-groomed um, mustache. Um, if you saw him, you'd notice that he's got scars. Um, scars all over his face, neck, ears. Are they hot? <laughs> the one on his eye is. <laughs> um, his fingers look like they've been broken and healed incorrectly. They're off at the wrong angles. Um, but despite his physical wear and tear, he dresses great. Um, he's got a sharp three-piece suit, um, a nice thick gold chain dangling out of his vest. Um, he's got a long black overcoat. When he walks, it's with a limp uh, and a jingle with that chain. Um, and when he pops pops his head in, he uh, he also pops a hard candy. <laughs> <laughs> Wild, yes. Uh, always has one in his mouth, um, and he uh, sort of uh, pushes into the door, looks around, tries to instantly sort of survey the, the situation, see if there's any other eyes, any other bodies in the room. He's a big guy, and he looks like he's looking for any sort of danger. Yeah. Uh, you see that without even looking up, uh, Eloise just sort of gives you a wave while uh, addressing the shelves and peeking into that like back parlor room where most of the business of Candela takes place. Uh, you observe Cosmo and Lightkeeper Nakari with a very distinct tightening of their eyes that I think they didn't hide that well as you approach. Would you like to make the first roll of the game? I would love to. Go ahead and give me a read. Okay, I will roll two dice and take the lower of the two. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, no. Starting off on a strong oh. foot. Chapter three. Uh, six. Oh. And a three. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, it is very obvious, you look for trouble and you look for the signs of ruin trouble on people as things begin but there is something in the lack of hostility that accompanies this coldness that like doesn't ping enough in your mind to worry too much about it. Uh, and they kind of gesture into the room, but very quickly attempt to uh, move back into conversation with Cosmo. Don't just stand there on the doorstep, Carrie. Come in, come in. Oh, uh, thank you, Cosmo. Uh, Grandpa. Um, hi, uh, who, who are you? My name is Lightkeeper Nakari. I will be handling your assignment and the creation of your circle. Lightkeeper, that's, uh, what is that, like a general, uh, It's a lightkeeper. Oh, okay. It is what it is. I help you to shed light on the mysteries that you uncover and deal with. Not everything is a fight, Mr. Grimm. Well, not at first it isn't. Um, sure. I, oh, I'm sorry, can I hear this conversation from where I am? Absolutely. Okay. I'm gonna come out sort of rinsing, like have a towel with my hands. Oscar. Oh, uh, hey doc, how you doing? I'm fine, I, I didn't expect to see you here. I didn't expect to come, honestly, but uh, I was summoned, so. Summoned? I showed up. The formation of our new circle. Right, yes, of course. Yes, Oscar is being uh, inducted into our ranks. 
first time. Congratulations. Uh, I guess thanks. Um, it's not really my choice, but I'll take it. <laughs> Your skills will be put to good use, I'm sure. As long as I make it through this in one piece, and the old man too, I'll consider that a win. Oscar is good at adapting, always has been. Good. Nothing then but to wait. And to wait. For the rest of your circle. What do you mean? And you see a sort of a, a look of surprise, and they reach into like a pocket in the front of their vest and pull out an impossibly small notebook uh, and open it up. And I think just even flitting through it, you can't even see writing. It just looks like a vague uh, black line across pages. And they kind of focus. That's right. You're normally a part of smaller circles. Correct. Just the Grimm's. As part of an arrangement with the Candela, I assumed that you would remember. <clears throat> This circle was asked for very specifically by name. So if you want to take up your grievances, I think you ought to look to your left. Who's got their fingers in this pie, Nikari? It's the people you asked to work with. At some point, I thought I could give you as many of them as possible, so you have. Oscar, Carrie, what's your preference? I mean, my friends call me Carrie. So I just Oscar, don't, I don't have a lot of friends. No one calls you Carrie, Oscar. Well, I was, I was trying to, it was a thing I was, I was hoping would sort of catch on. I see. Yourself, uh, a Madame Glass, and an individual with a little more, uh, of a personal connection to this that was not necessarily on your list, but, and just at that time, I think maybe we miss the bell on this. There's something about the suaveness of you slipping in as conversation and uh, pitched discussion happens that allows you to get through the door. Would you like to introduce yourself? My goodness, no doorman here. <laughs> Damn, what an entry phrase. <laughs> Grams, it's very good to see you. Welcome. It's been a long time since. I'll see. Fancy meeting you here. What are you doing here? Well. <laughs> I've actually been asked to uh, participate in this little game we're having. You know, I mean, I'm not usually a team player, but this was too exciting to turn down. I, I think we're all friendly here, Rajan. Oh, of course. Of course. Can, you, can I get a physical description? Rajan is almost six foot. Ooh. Probably the most glaring thing when you take his 
visage in is the scars running across one side of his face. The left side is covered in what look like runic tattoos. And he's always head to toe in finery. He's well put together, tends to wear gloves when he can. When he closes the door, you'll notice that he holds a handkerchief in his hand and then promptly wipes it off before he puts it away. He is brash when at his best, and some would argue perhaps obnoxious at his worst. A professor from uh, the university, my specialty is archaeology, and uh, I've brought in, I've been brought in because uh, perhaps I can bring a little bit of perspective to this latest, latest trial. Dr. Savarimutu, uh, I believe at some point in the past had dealings with what we might be dealing with here. My information is limited because the eyewitness to this did not take that much in, but Silva is here and available for uh, deeper discussions once you all arrive. Understood. May I, um, I'm gonna, my hands are gripping around the handles of your wheelchair. Mm. Could we speak somewhere else for a moment, Cosmo? Um. Yes, of course. Uh, excuse us uh, one moment. Uh, why don't you wheel me into my back room? As, as you wheel him, uh, and you can like feel the leather giving under the handles as you push, please take your first token. So there, uh, we are already in my study, but there is a door leading to my uh, private home and, and uh, bed chambers and living living room. So, uh, as they leave, I'm just gonna uh, lean over. So, uh, this one's the light keeper. I mean, what, what, what are you? Like, something higher than that? Something fancier? I mean, are, are you some sort of showman, or what? <clears throat> well, I guess you could call me a consultant, if that helps you. It does not. <laughs> and who pretell are you? Oh, uh, Oscar to you. Um, I'm uh, <laughs> Cosmo's grandkid. I'm just here to make sure none of you all kill yourselves. Oscar Grimm. Oscar Grimm, that's me. Fascinating. In all my time with the professor, he never mentioned you. It's a pleasure. I'm curious to see uh, just how you contribute to this crew. You smile all the time? What's not to smile about? We'll find out. I'll just sort of go over in the corner and pop another candy <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> Let's go through those. Uh, as you like, head to the corner and kind of scope both uh, the scene within and without through the window, uh, we see a figure approach. Last but not least, Madam Glask, as you finally spot the name of the building, 
and make your way in, will you please introduce and describe yourself? Sure. I play uh, Madame Glask, owner of the Glass Cat Casino. And she walks in almost, the door almost opens without her moving it at all. Um, there is a cloud of light smoke from her rosy cigarettes. She stands at five feet seven, adorned in jewels and fur. Uh, she smells like the most expensive fragrant oils from across the seas. She walks in, takes her glasses off and says, God, it's the busiest day of the year. It's the anniversary, happy anniversary. Oh, Oscar. Yeah, hi, uh, hi. Madam Glask, it's uh, nice to see you. I thought I told you to wait at the door. I uh, was taking my personal day today. Uh, my grandpa called me to do some work and so I thought I'd take the day off. I'm, I, I hope that's all right, I'm sorry. Uh, fine, but let me know next time. Yeah. Speaking of, where is Cosmo? Uh, he's in the back with, uh, with Doc, with, uh, with Doc Roberts. Hmm, excellent, and? Oh, don't I even with this guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, as uh, the legendary Madame Glass. Okay. It's such a pleasure to meet you. I've heard many great things. You've heard of me, how lovely. She hands out her hand to him. And you are? Professor Rajan Savrimuthu. Oh, Professor. How lovely. Yeah. Um, she takes off her fur. And when you look at her, you, you first see such luxury and all the finest things that money can buy, but you can also tell it's a little bit of overcompensation too. Mm. Not a single hair out of place, and she tries very hard to carry herself like an upper class, stands up very straight. But if you look, if you look closely, the threads, a little, the threads come loose. She's, uh, she walks in and says, I don't know why Cosmo would call me here on such a busy day. He knows this is when we make the most money. <sighs> Apologies. And Nakari, who has been uh, sitting sort of quietly and appraising both you upon your entry uh, and some of the interactions here with a smirk they're not doing, any, uh, they're, they're not hiding it at all. Just, Mr. Grimm uh, was operating on my orders. I will be your light keeper and your circle, uh, once a private conversation is finished, will be brought to attention and I will get you all up to date. <laughs> Let me just have a cup of tea. Eloise, and uh, they try to like summon Eloise who just walks in the door uh, and shakes her head just a little bit. Uh, and Nakari, for all of their like sort of suaveness and composure, just immediately gets up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make tea. I'll do it because <laughs> I like making tea in a kitchen that I know where that is 
And Eloise gives him just another dirty look as she goes by uh, and he sweeps out of the room to go find uh, a way to provide refreshments for you. We'll move slowly into the back chambers. Elsie, dear, I can feel your discomfort wafting off of you from across the room. What is the matter, child? I didn't think that I would need to remind you, Cosmo, of my condition. There's a reason. The circles have been small, you know that. I uh, was not prepared for this meeting. I had no forewarning. Elsie, uh, I apologize, but everyone here I have worked with personally, I can vouch for their expertise and their professionalism. I trust them. All of them I trust. Do you trust what they would do if they saw me? I can't do this. Please take another token. You need to talk to the lightkeeper. Take me off this assignment. You can do it without me. Dear, I have a confession. Before you arrived, I was just informed this may be my last circle. I don't really have any um, say in the matter, I think. And, and it's been coming a long time. I've seen it coming down the road a long while now. I hear you, but I also have faith in you, dear. And if this is to be my last go of it, I could really use you here, child. You've always, for all your challenges, been a steadying presence to me. Please try to um, help keep me calm, especially around Raj. I have always sensed a little bit of something in the air between you two, but I never wanted to pry. We have history. I've worked with the young man a number of times myself, and he's always been buttoned up and on point. And I, I, I don't know you, you, the both of you, each in your own way, are like children to me. He's a good boy. And you are a fine doctor, and I, I have no doubt together, as circles do, as circles must. I trust you. You warm a very old heart. I put my hands around the the handles of the wheelchair and they're less tense now. And I'm going to start wheeling him back out. Um, And say, uh, as we go, 
Speaking of being a fine doctor, you've been avoiding your physical and then <laughs> take him into the main room. <laughs> uh, as you are wheeled back into the main room, uh, this is a very nice wheelchair, but th it makes noise across uh, floorboards in this like very cozy uh, abode and store. And you see uh, Nakari immediately pop their head back in uh, and they rejoin you. Hands empty. I didn't find anything, but uh, perhaps it's just better to begin. Oh, Gato, come here, boy. Lat, come here. There uh, is a little uh, black and tan colored long-haired dachshund, a wiener dog who lives here uh, in the shop with me. Um, and uh, he's... Uh, I'll, I'll get him, I'll get him. Yes. And I cross over being very, very deliberately not looking at Raj and pick up uh, pick up the dog and bring him to you. No, no, you hold him. Give her. She needs a friend. Oh, he's already just all over your face <laughs> and aiming for your mouth. Uh, no, good boy, just, good doe. I go over to Cosmo. Cosmo, my dear. It's been weeks since you've been by. Madam Glask, I am used to visiting you at your establishment. You grace us with your presence here at mine. The pleasure is all mine. I take both of his hands and I kneel down to him and I kiss him on both cheeks. It's good to see you, dear. You look amazing as usual. The girls miss you. <laughs> well, they can beat me at cards again next week, <laughs> perhaps. Quite a crew you've assembled, Nakari. Perhaps we should get to the point. Yeah, like uh, you said, we're becoming a circle. What is this? Uh, you're gonna pass out bowls of goat blood to drink or something? Oscar, just <laughs> look and listen. Boy, look and listen. A circle is an important and sacred thing. You will be the circle of tide and bone, and in this moment, you are bound together to solve this assignment to help each other until such a time as your circle dissolves under good or bad circumstances. I will admit, loath though I may be, that I must apologize. This assignment is not like the ones I am normally entrusted to assign. And Nakari moves through the story of an officer, an investigator, and a hunch. Just a gut feeling that something is wrong without proof. And in that, I think there's a little apologetic look in your direction uh, to communicate that this was the flimsiest of circumstances that they could provide in order to get the people you need together in order for you to do whatever you need to do to put your research and your life's work at rest. It's the best an old friend could offer. And he, they look a little uncomfortable with it as they finish. Normally, uh, the inciting circumstances are a little more grave, a little more clear. But Silva Sarkis, uh, this officer, is here and 
under Candela Obscura's care and protection until such time as we can determine the validity of his concerns. So he is hidden until you report back uh, as to the nature of whatever might be happening at the sanatorium and is available to you, though I'm not sure how much information you'll get. And uh, they gesture back and back past uh, sort of you have your like back rooms and then off to the side because this is a bookstore and a little bit of an apartment, uh, very multi-use building in the center of uh, a part of town that sprawls out and becomes a little more singular in uh, building type. Uh, there is a little garden and you see sitting amongst uh, some slightly wilted uh, ivy at a little uh, solid cast iron picnic table, uh, garden table, sits a very nervous man in white pajamas, sort of rocking back and forth, looking around. Well, if you have any other questions about the nature of your circle or your work with Candela, I will remit you to the care of your grandfather. I, I think I get it. We go out there, beat this guy up, see what he knows, oh, sort right. of shake him down and follow his leads, I guess? We normally start with conversation, Oscar. Okay. Normally. <sighs> sure, that'll work too. I leave it to you. And I wish you all the best of luck. And with that, uh, Nakari stands and sort of dusts off their suit and puts on their jacket uh, and sweeps out the front door and to parts unknown to handle other assignments, other phenomena. And you are left to the quiet of your room and your interviewee outside. Cosmo goes a thousand-yard stare for a moment and just looks back at seven or eight decades of work in Candela and the things I've seen and the places I've been. And I stick for a moment on how simple and perfunctory the end appears to be. Well, well, shall we... Uh, pick apart this knot and see what we're dealing with. Oh, we shouldn't pick him apart. He's been through hell. How about I try to calm him down first? That is one of your specialties. Yes. Uh, Madame Glass walks towards the garden outside and sits next to him and gently puts a hand on his shoulder. As you approach, uh, his eyes immediately lock on you. And though there's no move to move away, like he's not frightened, but he's skittish. And the moment you reach out a hand, you get that like very subtle withdrawal. You can put your hand on his shoulder, but it's very clear that he is still in a place of agitation where guarding his space feels important to him. Madame Glass pulls her hands back. She's very familiar with how to deal with people and their troubles. And she said, or she says, 
Oh, of course. And sits next to him. I understand that you need our help. You were... you with them? As of today, I suppose so, yes. But I wanted You're to... new. I'm sorry? You're new. You're oh. not a uh, normal... Uh, you're not a... You're new to Candela. You, uh, you don't do this. You... Uh, I don't believe no, me. No, oh, no, me. no, no, no. I... You're wearing a ball gown. <laughs> it's the morning. <laughs> oh, God. I don't own many daytime clothing. Date. <laughs> you just see, you gotta look down <laughs> at his wrinkly pajamas. <laughs> hey, Will Mason, float, I assure you, Mr. Sarkis. Members of Candela come in all shapes and sizes, and just because you're not familiar with Ms. Glask does not mean she hasn't been a part of our explorations for some time. I assure you, I am a very good old friend of Cosmo, and you can put your trust in me. Can I see this happening even if I'm not there? Yeah, okay. I'd like to just sort of watch him as they're talking to him and see if I can pick up. Um, if, if there's anything psychological or arcane going on with him as he speaks. Yeah. Um, let's get a roll about it. Uh, if you are looking for just sort of the nature, like the very like mundane nature of his distress, uh, go ahead and give me, let's call it focus, uh, a focus roll. But if you're trying to see if there is something like very specifically magically uh, wrong with him or interacting with him, go ahead and give me a sense roll. Try a sense. Yeah. That's cool. It's gonna be so good. I failed. <laughs> <laughs> He's a guy. He's a guy. <laughs> you lean in uh, and you begin to focus on sort of scanning him with doctor's eyes that even with your time with the occult, with your time with Candela, uh, it still all begins with that scan, looking for the first thing wrong so you can build a pattern, so you can make an, a diagnosis. And the more you lean in, the more you search him, you don't really notice it, but there's something about him, something that he's seen. I need you to take a bleed token. Oh, shit. As something you can't quite clock okay. is awry with him. Oh dear. <clears throat> Baby's first bleed. Baby's first bleed, welcome. It hurts. <clears throat> Mr. Sarkis, our, our party is gathered. I uh, suggest we call them all out into the garden so you don't have to repeat yourself. Uh, uh, yes, uh, yes, I will. Oscar! Yeah. Huh? Boy, bring the. Yeah, yeah, okay. Bring your new friend into the garden. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, that come. must be me. Yeah, uh, here, I'll uh, I'll get the door for you. I'm sure you're not accustomed <laughs> to hand door handles. I'm gonna stick uh, like <laughs> close to Oscar as we go out. I Probably will markedly close. Puff my chest up and just make sure that there's no sudden moves. Oscar and Elsie move out into this like now getting very cramped little garden and Raj 
you're the last one through. And as you see him, as you move into this space and you begin to share the air of him, you feel it hit you like a freight train. So my question to you is, what is it, what does it feel like when you enter into the presence of a tremendous amount of bleed? Like being in the middle of a gale or the beat of a thousand wings. It pierces through thought and almost bypasses fear going straight to something much more primitive, so to speak. And it takes a lot of willpower for me to not physically step back in the moment. You feel like you are suddenly overwhelmed, overrun, overcome. And you know, before whatever happens next, the longer you stay here, the more you risk taking damage from proximity to a feeling so specific. You've consulted with Candela before. You've been in proximity to items and monsters and things of bleed and thinnings and flare, but this has all of the scent and understanding of a long, nearly forgotten fear. This is the bleed, the flavor, the scent of the maw and everything you experienced in your childhood. You're right back there again, staring her down, looking at your sister. And you, if you stay here, will be lost to it. What do you do? We need answers and we need them quickly. Dr. Savarimutu, you are looking a little peaked. I'm fine. Can I tell that he's not fine? That's not a role. He's not fine. Rajan, do you need to step inside? I leave this to you, Professor. Yes, yeah. Mr. Sarkis, perhaps you should cut to the quick of it. Explain to us what you are in need of. Uh, yeah, 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 I, I, last night, uh, there's been people disappearing um, from Gracelate. We always knew that when you go gray, when it's too much, when you break, they put you away like a fucking child's toy that you're outgrown. They ship you into that building and you never come back. But even when you're in it, people go missing. They just go away and it might be a jail, but even jails have ledgers and paperwork and they just don't seem to care. And maybe I don't get to be what I was before. I, I don't feel like I did before, but 
someone should care. And it feels like it all started when that nun showed up. At that word, I think I'm gonna take, if Rajan hasn't gone inside, I might lock eyes with him and go, let's go inside. I think not, Elsie. I think this might be a little more important. Please continue, good sir. <clears throat> There's something in that look, the struggle for your composure that settles Silva, weirdly. I wasn't able to find anything, but everywhere she goes, whoever she turns her attention on, they disappear. And every time I ask a director or any of the orderlies there, I'm brushed off, treated like I'm making a big deal out of nothing. I, it's, I, if, I'm, if I'm crazy, then just, I'm not crazy. I'm not. Perhaps you could help us with specifics. Who is the clergywoman you are referring to? She introduced herself as Sister Ayavar. Um, she's beautiful. The most beautiful woman you've ever seen. It's, it's eerie. It pulls you in. You hunger for her. You're not crazy. Not crazy. You've seen her too. Yes. We've crossed paths before. Not crazy. There's just something wrong with it. Wherever she goes, they disappear and no one cares. And then I saw them that night her on the director and I'm a married man uh, so it's not easy for me to admit what I thought things that I thought about when I first saw it but even through uh, the lust the wrongness of it you can't put that away you feel it in you even as all the other emotions all the other urges hit And then a patient, Johnny, I don't even know his last name. He was banging on the window. His hands were ripped up. He led them away. And maybe it was the wrong thing. Maybe I should have tried to follow, but I didn't think I could safely. And I just, I thought if I could get here, if I could find any of you, you could do something. You could find something. You would just... You would hear me and believe me, there's something happening. I was good at my job. I was good at my job and then, then they, I'm still good at my job. Something's wrong. How did you escape? Perhaps there's a way for us to get in through where you left. I scaled the wall. Normally, you have to pass uh, the director's office, and she doesn't seem to sleep. Uh, so, 
whatever reason, the security, the orderlies, there was no one around. I saw a chance and I took it. I was good at my job. You fled the sanatorium and she, what, resides there on a permanent basis? I've never... If she's not walking around, if she's not in a meeting, or viewing the grounds, or... She's in her office. Always. Always. Do they know you're gone? Will they be looking for you? They have to know. They you have don't to have much time. Yeah. Where did your friend Johnny take them? Uh, uh... There's a walking grounds, uh, it's a, it's a large lawn, but there's little cops of trees and uh, shrubbery. He was running in a dead sprint towards some shrubbery in the back. What makes him so important? He was bleeding and he didn't even notice. He was hurt and didn't care. Is Johnny a patient there? Yeah. Yeah. One of the ones that disappeared without concern. And showed up inexplicably that night. And you fled, and uh, you've no idea where they ended up that night. I had a choice. Understand or report and I'm an officer I understand authority and structures I knew if I could just make someone understand you could go I if I go back I'll never leave after listening to this gentleman for several minutes I'm wondering does he seem to me confused or like he is omitting anything in his story are you using mundane or magical means? Mundane, I'm using my bullshit detector. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and give me a read roll. Yeah, I will burn a drive. Ooh. Uh, this is gilded, here we go. Uh, not on the gilded, but that is a six, a success. With a six. You see that the problem with him isn't anything to do with omission. It's just the thinness. He came to you with an instinct, a gut feeling that nothing was wrong and that this is a person, you don't really have a sense of how long he's been locked away in the sanatorium, but this is a person that's been convinced steadily over time that his instincts are wrong. And this is a person that lived by his instincts, hunches, solve cases. The UOP, uh, the OUP uh, is a lot like Candela they deal with. They're the part of the periphery here in the city that engages with magical phenomena uh, much in the same way that you are about finding, cataloging, suppressing, and moving forward. Uh, this is the part of the periphery, the police state here, that will do whatever it takes to protect the populace from magical problems and they 
the relationship between Candela and them uh, is occasionally amicable, but mostly they try to beat you to the punch so they can take credit for uh, all of these goings on, uh, going ons. Candela will sort of take control of something and hide it and not necessarily share information with the public, but anything that gets through this office to the periphery gets to the triumvirate and becomes more information for the government to understand, to control, to weaponize. Understood. And this gentleman, while a bit uh, in a spin, does not seem muddled in his story. Not at all. And has absolute conviction in it. A hundred percent. He seems bolstered by uh, the strong reaction with Rajan. Someone understands. Even that little bit of confirmation is enough. You see him returning to himself in real time. A question. I'm a... I'm a blood and guts doctor, but is there anything that I've done since I've been with Candela that might help someone that, like, can I feel that I took a point of bleed, basically, that this guy might need some help? Do I have anything that helps with that, or am I just your standard issue, GP? Uh, I think what you are getting off of him, that mixture of, like, there's nothing physically wrong with him. The closest you can get is that understanding of, like, taking bleed, being in proximity to something that is throwing off a lot of that negative energy uh, has affected him. Uh, From your time and your studies and your existence as a doctor in this city, you know that the sanatorium is where they put periphery officers that have been too close to very bad things for too long and get sort of burnt out of efficacy in the same way that uh, a Candela lightkeeper is someone that has been in the field for so long that they've aggregated uh, too much scarring on their body or their mind or that thing within them that engages with and understands like the magic, the magical truth of the world. So there's nothing I could do to help him with the feelings that he's having. Talking, believing him, like there's nothing physically okay. that you can do. Uh, Madam Glass leans over to him in a very reassuring voice and says, "You are indeed very good at your job." Thank you. Is there anything else that you could tell us that may help us with this uh, sister Ivar? Um. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, we we keep tabs on a lot of things. And in our line of work, and now you see that he's like a little more bought in on the like, we are the same. He's no longer treating you as this like neophyte that was thrown in his way as an another act of dismissal. Uh, religion is a vector through which a lot of misdeeds get into the world, so we keep tabs uh, on the ascendancy. And there aren't many clergymen in the city. I've never heard of an Ayavar before. I don't know, I don't know what she is. I think that's the thing that bothers me. She doesn't feel real in the way that you and I are real. I wish I had more. 
Everything was taken when they sent me here. I understand that's more than enough, thank you. I would open it up to the circle, then. To brainstorm. brainstorm. My instinct is to, uh, start at the outside and work our way in, unless anyone has a better idea. Perhaps we wait till nightfall. Why are we waiting? Professor, with all due respect, we know that Gracelate is where this is happening. We know that Sister Ayava was last seen there. Why are we... Why are we waiting? Well, hopefully to get in and out unscathed. Can't we just make an appointment or something? I mean, they're open for business, right? You guys are... prominent citizens. I'm just curious to see if there is anything left on the premises from your associate who fled before charging into the moor of the beast. The stories about the sanatorium is that they don't let people out. No, they can let people in, right? To visit. There's something really wrong going on there. Okay. We don't want to just rush in. What do you think, Rajan? Should we be charging up to the door? And making an appointment with his sister, you Rajan. seem like that might be a bad idea. Rajan, you feel the eyes of this circle turn to you. But in this moment, you didn't hear any word after Ma. And you fall into yourself. You're gonna take a bleed for remaining here as a poor reward for your bravery. And you think back, you were so young. No one would blame you for the things that happened. Your sister, after your mother went, after something inside of her broke, Adika, she was lost to you. She was lost to your family. And how could you blame her? You were grieving. So then when a beautiful nun, Rehema, appeared, offered you solace, offered you hope, you and your father and the broken family that you were left with took it as a blessing, as a boon. And over time, she flourished. And you thought it was going so well. You feel yourself jumping through time, feeling that hope that maybe you could get back to a place where your family could feel okay, could feel good again. Then you get to that night, and you followed across the city the dingiest, darkest part of town, and you saw her there on her hands and knees, feverishly digging down, deep into the ground. And she looked up at you. And for a while, you didn't see your sister. You saw something ravenous and enraptured. You saw Rahena everything that came after she turned 
to something monstrous, something fierce. She attacked you. She hurt you. And in a moment, you did your best to save yourself. A poem, a nursery rhyme, drilled into you by your mother, whose shape, the lack of her, shattered your family. And you thought, I have, I have the words to drive back this monster, like they do in a fairy tale. And a slip of the word, and you saved only yourself. And your sister was lost to a thing that you understand, even as it hit and cleaved deeply between muscle and bone till you could feel it scratch lung, heart, the very core of you. The maw, a monster hiding behind a beautiful face. She's taken your sister and left you like whatever you are now. But she's back, which means hope is back. So you accept the bleed greedily. Because if you are built for anything, it's this. And you come back to yourself. And see that your circle, that this officer is staring you down, expecting some sort of response. Roger. <clears throat> I think perhaps there's an easier strategy here. Madam Glask, do you perhaps have any sway over these security personnel at this sanatorium? I suppose I may have heard a few clients talk about guarding the place. Uh, I believe I remember what their names were. I may know them. And if they happen to be there tonight, I suppose I can feel or pull a few strings to get us in. Discreetly, though. Greed is always a powerful motivator. Either way, I think we have our in. Right. What will you do with yourself? If I... If I show my face, they'll find me. The periphery. I was put away. Glask, you're known for your secrecy. Maybe we should take this gentleman there. I think perhaps Nakari might be a good resource here. The collateral damage, if they come after Sarkis, is high. I have uh, 
other information uh, about what my office uh, has been working on. I think I think I can make a deal barter for safe passage out of the city or I think that way is no offense but I think your presence has an ill effect otherwise I would offer a room here or suggest Madame Glask's establishment I don't think that that's a good idea I understand it's not personal can you start I have a lot of memories here Family I can't go home to. Perhaps I'm able to be able to help. I have property on Briar Green. It's unoccupied. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you could lay low there for a while. You have an extra house? Look at his jacket. You don't. I do apologize, it is a place of business, and I normally would, especially if Cosmo asks, but I can't risk it, I think. Oh, yeah, no, uh, uh, I understand. Um, you're all being very, very kind. I appreciate that you believe me at all. I hope you find something, I hope you help, help them figure out whatever's going on, but you believed me and that feels really good. So. Rajan takes a hand out of his jacket pocket, gloved, and gently takes Mr. Sarkis's hand and rubs with his thumb very soothingly across the top. You'll be well taken care of. I promise you that. You feel even in that, and it's very apparent to everyone here, that even in that act of like tenderness and gentleness, there is almost a sting that you would recognize as someone else resonating at that frequency of proximity to the maw and the sort of collateral damage from when you get too close, but kind of shrugs through it. I'm waiting to see if the scarlet I've smeared across the back of his hand has taken effect. Oh. Oh. Hmm. Why don't you give me a hide roll to see... Let's just see how uh, effective you are. You're a slick son of a bitch. Yeah! (laughs) I'm going to add two drive. Okay. I will say the stakes aren't necessarily high here, but this will be less about uh, hiding this from Sarkis, who's leaned in and locked in, and more about the people here. Mm. (sighs) Critical success on Gilded. What an act of tenderness. You see Sarkis begin to relax. He doesn't even know that it has anything to do with a chemical agent. He thinks that maybe just being believed and understood 
and perhaps being touch-starved from months and months of isolation, that that was all he ever really needed. And you see him surge up, both relaxed, but that renewed confidence of someone who believes that there's hope, a way through, that maybe he's not grayed out, maybe he's not useless. And I think you have a little bit of an understanding. I would never presume to tell you how your character feels, but you know intimately well the trajectory and duration of that false hope, of that elation that comes from Scarlet. Rest untroubled, friend. You've done your duty. <sighs> Thanks. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I will speak more with the Lightkeeper and we'll figure something out. Uh, be careful. If you're going at night, just be careful. It's a hospital, but whatever rot got inside it, it's not a good place. Not just because of the nun or the director. I think it's been wrong and rotten for far longer. Hey, uh, pull um, a pencil and paper from a pouch that hangs inside my wheelchair and hand it to him. Why don't you do me a favor, son, and draw me a, a basic map? the director in the sister's quarters. Uh, given a task and something that he is very good at, it takes maybe a minute. And he's not an artist, but it's very clear. You have a top-down layout of uh, as much of the interior of uh, the sanatorium as a patient will be granted access to. So there's like large blocks and swaths and floors that he has no information on. But that bottom floor mapped perfectly down to windows and the grounds. Uh, three distinct uh, sections of trees and a little fountain uh, and the shrubbery uh, that abuts the far wall that makes it just that much harder to clear and escape. Why don't you add an X to where your uh, fellow patient ran to? Uh, because he does not know where the, they stopped, he'll give you like a dotted straight line trajectory. of the like straight trajectory. He, yes. It's very clear that whatever that run was, there was no sense of like, follow the garden path. Mm -hmm. It's a straight shot towards uh, there's a like central little like tree-lined area with some benches, uh, and then the far corner where there are, there's some tree-lined too. So you have two potential places. Hopefully, this will make our work ever so slightly easier. I'm happy to have helped. Um, and remind me, uh, GM, did the uh, light keeper leave premises? Uh, yes, they did. Yes. All right. So you are going to. Check in with Nakari. Mm -hmm. All right. The way I understand it, uh, this is not their 
chapter house. So. Oh. It's daytime. I, I might lie low for a little longer, but I can make my way over. The steel is easy to navigate when it was your beat. <laughs> I'll be okay. Is that Louis still here? Uh, you, uh, uh Above game, uh, I don't think you have any reason to believe that she would have departed. But if, like, if Rajan asked out loud, you just get a blank stare back from Silva. I was like, who? She should still be here. Eloise. Yes, Professor. She minds the shop. Sarkis cannot be left alone here. If the Ascendancy were to find him, what do you think will happen? We will never see him again. And more importantly, you know he must be observed. I might agree with that, Doctor, but he seems to be having a serious effect on you. And I hate to see you stretched. Also, uh, not to be rude, but what do we care? We've got a mission. We've got a place, we've got a time, we've got a person. I might have misjudged this whole Candela thing. I mean, going after a sex-crazed nun kind of sounds fun now. What do we need this guy anymore for? He gave us his info. A sex-crazed nun. Maybe you're right, Oscar. Maybe it's not such a big deal after all. Not, I don't want to know, I, I know that I wouldn't have noticed what he smeared on uh, Silva. Mm -hmm. But I want to see if I can notice traces of scarlet use mm. on Raja as he's speaking. Oh. Mm -hmm. uh, go ahead and give me a read roll. Could be a focus. <laughs> yeah, you know what? <laughs> go ahead and make it a focus roll. I love, love that. that. <laughs> <laughs> love that. <laughs> Uh, and I'm gonna spend a drive, because I'll use a gilded, I have a gilded baby in here. Mm, that is a mixed success. Uh -huh. There is something to his uh, sort of pallor and presentation, exacerbated by whatever you saw him sort of like fall into as he's been out here in proximity with this man. Scarlet could explain it, but there's a lot of reasons mm -hmm. that someone could look this way, look this strong. You feel it inside of you too, that wrongness, something uh, scratching into you because of your proximity to this person, so. Scarlet is a drug? Scarlet is like the predominant drug here. Okay. And has uh, lots of different ways uh, it pops up. It's often mixed into uh, alcohol and uh, uses for social things, but yeah, across the board. I tell you, Rajan, I was primarily concerned for you, son. But I want the machine that is this circle to be well oiled if you would feel more comfortable. 
with him taking one of the rooms upstairs until Eloise can get word. To Nakari, I can abide by that. Would that ease your mind? Yes, Professor, thank you. It's much appreciated. We are all friends here, son. We are friends. And with that, with a sort of understanding of the when and the how of it, plans to sneak out tonight to broach the grounds, to find for yourself. Uh, We're gonna cut as you wait out the day. You are able to make plans with Eloise who uh, is, though she is drawn and skittish and uh, very averse to picking up even bits and hints of your work with Candela now that she's out, she is capable and babysitting one man is an easy enough task to set her to, though she asks for as few details as possible. She was one of the sharpest agents in the field when she was still in the game. I have no doubt in her. Yeah. Before we fast forward too much, could I have a scene with Raj? Love it. Go ahead and paint me a picture. I'll follow up afterward. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think at this point that Silka has been yeah, escorted upstairs. away, yeah. Um, and I'm just going to find a moment when Raj is alone and approach him. Yeah, you have hours until night falls. Mm-hmm. Raj? I will see. Oh, I know that look. Ever the good doctor. You just seem a bit worse for the wear. I wondered if I might do a brief examination to make sure everything's okay. What? Are you worried about me, Elsie? I'm a doctor, it's my job. Yes. I think I'm doing quite fine on my own. But I promise, I will be a very good patient. And if I need you, I'll come running. Doing fine on your own, and yet you joined this group. How long have you been tracking this? What are you going to do if you don't find her? Ever full of doubts, Elsie. Let's not worry reason. about a problem that hasn't arisen yet. Yes? I don't need you looking after me right now. surprise. I must say, though, it is very good to see you. I wish I could say the same. 
going to turn to leave unless he wants to stop me for a second. He lets you leave. And something in that, the confrontation of it, the coldness of it. Take another token. <laughs> Hug her and tell her whatever's happening is fun. <laughs> is there anything else you want to do before we get to the sanatorium? I'll just walk over yeah? to wherever he is. I'm in my study. Close the door. Oh, I had to... Okay, sure. Um, you find me with my back to you and Godot in my lap staring at the painting on the wall behind my desk. Piles of books and charts everywhere. Sketches of strange, old Ferran architecture. Symbols you can't read. You look well, boy. Like you always do, you look well. I feel fine, yeah. How about you, I mean? You know, you don't have to do this anymore. I'm sure you've been told don't enough, I? but... Your time inside wasn't too harsh, I hope. I mean, prison's a lot like every day. Um, same routine, just smaller walls, fewer windows. I would have been fine. You didn't have to pull strings and bust me out. I, I would have been fine. Well, old habits and all that. Yeah, you're, you're always taking care of me and I, I appreciate it. I just, I think it should be the other way around. Listen to me. Believe it or not, I am glad to have you close. I am trepidatious. I don't know what to make of Dr. Savarimutu and this man's coincidental overlap. I don't know what that means. But I do know that there will be eyes on us, Oscar. He hasn't looked at you once this whole time and finally turns. There will be eyes on you. I can take it. I'll just be, uh, as subtle as I can be. Look, if we, um, if we get in a scrape, just stay behind me, okay? You don't need to be doing anything brave or bold. You've done plenty, all right? Just take it easy. We'll help these people out, help the, the prince out, or whatever his name is. Go home, rest be done with it. I know you want this to be more than 
Just one of your regular missions. But I've stopped trying. Time is a funny thing. Always wanting more, never enough. Or is it too much? Is it too much time? Try not to rock the boat with the circle. That young man is a good boy. At his core. Yeah, he, uh, he seemed like he cared. That's, that's a good thing, I guess. Still, I mean, come on, look at him. I'll do my best, all right, Cosmo? Well, not all of us have paid baseball down by the docks. Yeah. I'll walk different walks in his life. Well, I hope it's a, a grand bam. <laughs> <laughs> That's an inside joke just for us. Listen, Listen I, I gotta go. I, I gotta go. I gotta go. My, my boss Oscar. is out there. I gotta, I gotta go. I yes, gotta you go. beat me to Oscar. it. Madam Glass does not suffer fools. Go, go, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time is up the essence. Eat something before we go tonight, all right? I hold up my wiener dog. Oh, you have been eating no, no. fish and food. <laughs> get Eloise to get you some. All right, I'm out of here. <laughs> is there anything else you want to cover before you head I want out? To break into a sanatorium. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. It's, it's minor, but once Oscar departs, um, Cosmo spends the hours of the day pouring through any books in his collection that discuss the history of uh, the Ascendancy, dating all the way back to the War of Embers, and looking for anything that sounds like this. Woman Iowa finds nothing. She is a tidy blink in your copious research. Had to try. And as you focus and fixate, doing what you do best in the field, which is know and understand and catalog and process, the hours slip away and the sun moves across the sky. And at some point you look up and night has settled over the Seidel and over New Fair, and it's time to go. The witching hour. And we'll get to that after our break. Ooh, <laughs> we'll see you in a bit. Hello again, dear investigators. We hope you are enjoying this supernatural mystery as our circle uncovers the magical foes plaguing the Fairlands. I must briefly interrupt this investigation to enlighten you of a few key details that may shape your future endeavors with Candela Obscura. If you choose to join our secret society, we have a free quick start guide that may serve you well on your own investigations. This resource includes a summary of the illuminated world system being used by our members, a primer to the Fairlands, and an example assignment for your circle. Find everything you may need at DarringtonPress.com slash Candela. And for our members that wish to showcase their commitment to our esoteric order, Candela Obscura merchandise such as fine wares and fateful dice may be purchased through the shop tab on CritRoll.com.
Every purchase helps support Candela Obscura and our never-ending cause to protect this realm from what lies beyond the flare. Speaking of which, the Fairlands await. And after a day of preparation and thought and conversations, you find yourselves standing in the street, looking up at the imposing dark gray structure that is the Gray Slate Sanatorium. It's been around for a couple centuries and any, any sort of historical understanding of it as a place of genuine convalescence and healing has given way to the understanding that it's where the rich hide away the family members that embarrass them, and largely uh, the periphery uses it as a convenient dumping ground for their soldiers who have seen a little too much and are holding a little too much and are no longer of use. And I think there's something in the brutal structure of it. There's nothing calm or kind or sympathetic to a person at their lowest, uh, most vulnerable, that you see that, yeah, this reads more like a fortress to keep things in than a place to heal and help. As you look, you see maybe every two to three minutes, a guard in a sort of dark gray jumpsuit that blends in with the wall if they ever go still to observe or listen in to the other side of the walls uh, makes their pathway around. You're all hidden, out of sight. It's night. How do you make your way in? What's the plan? With all due respect to all you guys, um, your highness, <laughs> madam, doc, Cosmo, I, uh, this is sort of my, my bag, so if you wouldn't mind, maybe I can go out there and just sort of sneak around and see if I can get eyes on that guard that you, uh, that you know. Sure. Uh, about six feet four, uh, dark mustache, a scar over his right eye. That's me. You're talking about me. <laughs> six, six foot four? Well, I mean, okay. Yeah. I think I've seen him though. At mm. uh, he's a customer, right? Mm -hmm. I've seen, I think I've seen him around. Yes. If you can get eyes on him, um, I can possibly ask him to let us in. All right. So we're staying away from the front gates. The entrance were maybe I should coming uh, up on the side. Sort of scurry up over. One. Are these uh, solid stone walls or uh, cast iron? Uh, so you're looking at like a sort of like poured concrete and brick construction, but there's just enough of like crenellation and decoration that there are footholds, at least from the outside. All right, I, if, uh, I don't think I need a boost or anything, but I think I can make it up and just peer over the top. Be careful. Thanks, Doc, if I fall, I know who's gonna patch me up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Okay, uh, you time it so uh, the sort of like passing of the guard gives you your biggest clearance. You have 
maybe a minute before someone will turn around a corner and if you're not high enough, you'll be spotable. Uh, so go ahead and give me, let's, let's call it a move roll unless you want to make a case for something else. No, move sounds good. Yeah. This is to get to the top of the... Yep. Okay. Cleanly, quickly, and quietly. We'll use a drive. Yeah. I will say the stakes on this are high, not for harm, but just for getting there unperceived, either visually or <laughs> auditorily. I was going to say, can I, could I potentially be sort of... Boosty? If, not boosty, but if you were like to drop something that might make a sound or something, I want to sort of be at the ready to maybe... Yeah. Catch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're all very aware uh, that like, you've gotten a sense of like the timing. So you can get in there, help as much as you can, uh, and then get out of dodge before. Does that mean I add a drive to his? Yeah. Okay. Oh. So I get another dice? Yes. Amazing. Okay. Do you want to jump in on this? Well, I'm wondering if perhaps it's worth it for Madame Glask and I to create a little commotion somewhere to draw a little bit of attention. Oh boy, Ooh. trying to do this sneaky. Sure about oh, I mean, away from you. Sure, sure. Oh, I'll let the professional handle this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was hoping we could have some fun. We'll find out. All right. Four. That's a mixed success. Okay. <laughs> How important is it to you Uh-oh. to get up undetected? If you have to choose between success or harm to yourself, what do you choose? Oh, success. You scurry up, uh, moving quickly and impressively quietly, and you have a spotter. Uh, the dock is under you, ready to catch anything uh, to make sure you're soundless, and you can feel it as you're picking all of your handholds and your footholds. Uh, there's something just so hostile about the architecture that you feel your hand grabbing onto, not smooth stone worn down by time, but it, it's almost as, it's as if it's been like sanded or polished, so it hurts to hold. You feel your hands ripping as you go, and you can just, it takes everything in you to like wipe your shirt or your coat over the spot so you're not leaving bloody handprints. Please take a body. Oh. Okay. Ah, that hurt. But I'm here. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing you can't fix. Maybe. You brought like bandages, right? Yes, I brought bandages. Okay. I was gonna... I'll peer over and see what I can see. Uh, what you see is all of the decoration from the outside absolutely stops when you get on the inside. You're about 16 feet in the air. And the sort of like sloped uh, architecture that gives like very like gothic vibes uh, falls away into a dead drop of like just intensely slick, polished stone that would provide no purchase on the other side for you to jump and come back. Oh boy. But what you see, sorry, Mike, (laughs) what you see uh, is this like flat, wide area of grass, maybe 200 yards. 100 yards in every direction, a big square with a couple little pockets of uh, trees to call them copses or uh, like little natural spots of shrubbery is a gross exaggeration. I think you have a strong sense of uh, what becomes normal after a while, given how stark everything is in here. 
you can count the number of trees on your fingers and toes. And uh, yeah, you've got eyes on uh, the two areas highlighted by the map provided. Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing visually that you can clock, but that central cops 50 yards to get there. And then uh, the tree edge that would have been like the other side of that, di that diagonal that Johnny ran uh, would be probably like skirting the outside. It would take you maybe 120 yards to like walk the edges and get over there. And can I ID any of the guards walking around or see anyone coming? Uh, I think we can walk that back and say that like, if you were trying to get the timing of the guards, you would have seen uh, your Mark Cronin making the rounds. It takes him probably 20 minutes to do the full lap. So the fact that you were seeing someone every like couple of minutes means that there's like five or six guards mm. on duty. Oh, okay. I will whisper all that back down to the dock. What do we do? <gasps> What's it like at the front gate? Cause you I'm have... not going over the wall. And you have seconds to like have this conversation before another one comes I'm gonna around. say, just get down, get down for now. I could like throw a rock or. Oscar, all right, get down. All right, all right, I'll get down. It's just, they're so punchable. All right. <laughs> and Wes, as soon as you down. get down, I'm going to take your hands and look at them. It's fine, it's just a cut. <sighs> you were tougher than this. I am. Apparently not. And then when I have a few moments of calm, I can make a focus roll to heal. One body mark on an ally. Oh. Amazing. Oh, oh wow. Mm. Let's go. Don't waste that on me if it's a... I agree. <laughs> kidding, kidding. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> All right, so, so we know where, oh, do you have to roll for it? Yeah. I do. Uh, What'd you get? On a four or a five, spend two intuition to accomplish this. Well, one of them was a gilded die, so I'll just get rid of one drive, and you get your body healed. <clears throat> Did you take the result from your gilded die? Yes. Okay, cool, cool. Yes. Sweet. Cutter? Yeah. Thank you. Sure. You you doing okay? I'm uh Time is of the essence. Sorry, really? sorry, yeah. Um, okay, I saw the trees where we're going. It's sort of in there to the left. Um, but there's lots of guards. I uh, think we're gonna need some sort of distraction to get there. I know one. Uh, so you did see Cronin? He's making the rounds, but so are half a dozen others. Oh, five others. Well? What about the front entrance? What did I see in the front entrance? <laughs> uh, you looked, so you popped up to look into the back and the lawn, so I think your best eyes were on the back entrance to the main building. Uh, and what you see is, even though this place is very dark and very cold and very stark and not well lit, there's still movement inside. It's early evening, so it's not like this place is settled down for the night, but it does feel a little busy. Mm. And without having to roll, uh, you're, you're street smart, you've got it. Like, if an inmate escaped, they've heightened uh, patrols. They're on alert because the impossible has happened. Cosmo and I could probably get in, but that's just the two of us. I can distract them. Us, you know, they're already on high alert because they've lost an inmate already. What if we pretend that I just saw another inmate run out? I'm sure that will 
get everyone to run to the yes. front gate at least, mm -hmm. yeah. We could do that and sort of slip in while they run out. Mm -hmm. But if we put security at the front gate, there's no way the professor is getting over the wall. To the back. Since we're on the side of the back, right? Uh, I'll make a commotion on that side. They'll surely have to, is there a back end or a back gate thing? Oh, it's only the front. Some of us could climb over while the two of them go in the front door. I've, I, I would have brought some rope with us knowing that we are breaking into a place. Yeah. I would assume. You could have your fucking rope. Okay. <laughs> so we can, uh, some of us can go over the wall while these two go in the front. I can escort you to the front. Or I can go with you to the front. They might need you oh, for uh... <laughs> Are you okay climbing or? Because uh... how am I going to climb that? I think I'll manage. Will the slippers slip? I think I'll be okay. After all, I'm with a professional. Are you two gonna be okay on your own? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You gotta take a token. <laughs> That's stressing me out. <laughs> Convincing. Well, Cosmo? Well, what's our story going in? Well, uh, we, we talked about this a little bit. I forgot, off camera. Um, <laughs> for the viewers, um, I've dressed as if I'm working at the sanatorium, yes. and you're prepared to act uncouth? Yes, that's easy. I'm just wondering about the first moments in the gate, if there's anyone there. Are we returning me from treatment? My father has been so sick lately, and he's just mm. acting out of control, and I don't know what to do. Please help him. You're committing. Good. Oh. Yes, yes, I was, uh, yes, uh, grandfather, though, probably. Oh, grandfather. Uh, yes, um. Hey, you could mm. And, uh. Yeah. What happens when we get inside? We might just have to make a beeline for the director's office. I don't know if we're going to be able to get these two in. We, uh, we'll, we'll check out the outside, uh, the, the cops of trees or whatever, and. Depending on what we find, we can try to find you afterwards. Rendezvous either inside of the office, if it's easy, or back outside the gate. So you're just going to make a run for it? What about this man? Man? Is there any way I can, once we're inside, I can break away from you two and cause a commotion to distract the guards for them to climb over? We'll be okay. Yeah? Yeah. Mm. You sure? Yeah. Nothing ventured. Fine. So we'll go over to the front. To make a cold call to the director's office. I don't know about cold. Where on the map is the director's office? 20 feet from the front. Oh. There's like a little intake, like reception desk. And then, uh, yeah, 20 feet back, massive office uh, on the left. If you two keep moving deeper into the sanatorium and make a commotion like you said, I can try to slip into the director's office and see what I can find. Yes. And uh, I will demand the director vociferously in the halls. And you'll slip in. Okay. Yes, I'll make a stink. If I call for you, it's happening. So just get them out. No one 
one's leaving you alone in there, I'll see. I'll be fine. Let's go. Okay. All right. You move from there to all the pieces in place. You two at the back, still with that like perfect timing of the guard's rotation. It seems uninterrupted. And now that you've had a couple more minutes while you're waiting for your uh, the rest of your circle to get in place, you see that even the pauses to knock some dirt off of a shoe or to kind of scratch a back, they're all timed perfectly. This is a feigned uh, casualness, but they're staying in perfect sync with one another. And all of this is to affect a lack of concern, though you are, you are like absolutely certain that like they are on high alert right now. Uh, so you wait for your moment and slip up and in and we'll cut to that. Uh, and the three of you walk through the front door. Rolling, raving. What does it look like? I don't know what you put in me. No! What did you put Dad, in me? I just don't know how to do it I want to speak to who's in charge. It was a mild sedative. I don't know why it's not taking. I don't know why it's not taking. Ever since his wife left him, he's just always been the same. What did you put in me? You can't say that. You keep your voice down, sir. I don't trust it. I don't trust you. Can you control your grandfather, please? Grandfather, please. I want to speak to the man or woman in charge. Who's in charge? You move into this lobby mid spin up. And you see uh, a receptionist that almost seemed to be dozing with like a like a paperback book sort of over their chest, snaps to attention. And a couple of orderlies, just normal people, they don't look particularly burly or intimidating, kind of filter in uh, from the sides running up the halls to meet you with your energy. Uh, and you see uh, this woman leans forward, I'm, oh, Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. You're not Maybe real. You're sir. not real. You're not a real person. Her grandfather needs to be admitted. I've given him a sedative. It is not taking effect. She put something in me. Okay. He's demanding to speak <laughs> to a mm-hmm. director. I want to speak to who's in charge. It someone might help real. Calm him if you could get your director, <laughs> please. please. I sir, want to speak to someone I'm real. I'm in charge. My name is Kathleen, and I'm here to oh, help. I want someone real. You're get me someone real. Kathleen, look at me. This has been happening for 45 minutes. I need you to get your director here Put now. Put some sort of drug in me. It was I don't trust it. Just, Kathleen, I just need yeah. to go to sleep. He will become violent if soon. Now, Can your director, fun? please. It's so violent. Give me a sway. So oh, shit, I don't have any sway. Give me a sway roll. But I will say that, like, the stakes of this, of like being able to call down the manager, uh, is much simpler now because of the cacophony and the way you've presented yourself and that calm command of like, hey, you, you specifically, you can do this. Uh, yeah. And I'm burning a driving cunning to help sway by screaming. <laughs> like an yeah. yeah. So does that mean I have no sway? So does that mean so two? you're at one now? Oh, my God. oh I'll burn two. One. Oh, you're gonna get oh, two I'll of them. Okay. okay, one and one. Are two you, for are you me. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So You're at one, three. And one from Gina. So, so yes. three. Three total. Okay. Oh, I got two Critical. sixes. Critical. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <shit. laughs> 
You wait, come... because they helped. Oh wait, they don't get their drive. They back. don't get their drive oh, back. <laughs> you have to be bad at things, and this was the opposite of that. Now I think there's a moment where you realize, like, this plan is psychotic, and if there's any like hole in it, you know everyone's on alert. You know that this could fall apart if it's not bought in. But your comrades are good at what they do. You see on uh, on your right, Madame Glask has dissolved into sobbing <laughs> tears and is feigning that level of like, I might faint. That's like, uh, the orderlies are like, we are in place to catch her. Like what's happening? Uh, Cosmo, losing his mind. <laughs> uh, and you are the point of order and your words shoot through all of the noise and hit Kathleen perfectly. It's a problem she can fix. All she has to do is go get the director. Yes, doctor, I'll be right back. Quickly, please. Going. Please, quickly. And she pushes away uh, from the desk and runs down the hall and you see her immediately bank left to where you know the director's office is and she knocks on the door, banging on it. And then you see her correct herself. uh, Now like, okay, I don't have to have the energy you have. And then switches to a knock, opens the door. And you can't hear what she's saying, but you know she's having a hushed conversation with someone on the other side. This is a bloody mama's show! (laughs) Uh, While this is happening, uh, is there anything you're trying to scope now that you're inside with a clear view and uh, the heat's kind of off you? My hope is that we would successfully get the director out. They would keep the ruckus up and I would... Yeah, that's me sneaking. Sweet. That's what that. I was just seeing like if you're gonna like scan anything while you're waiting to see the resol- like the resolution on this. If I was trying to see anything, yeah, just trying to like you have a moment to kind of scan things without looking, uh, without being noticed for like casing a joint. I suppose I should since you're asking. That would be a survey, I'm guessing. Uh, just give me an idea of what you're looking for. I and just want to all three of you. I just like, want to make sure that my path is clear to sneak into the director's office and not raise, raise any suspicion. I mean, they're successfully distracting everyone, but mm-hmm. I just want to make sure I'm not going to like turn a corner and a guard's going to come by and be like, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, from what you can see, like all of that busyness and the commotion is way down the corridors and way down the hall towards, uh, you can see like pouring in of moonlight that like doors that would lead out into that uh, mm-hmm. back area would be. So it seems like they're back there and then farther again away where uh, the patients are probably being held. So your way is clear. Uh, anyone else trying to look for something specific? Yeah, I, I know it's a little, a little total chaos. chaos, but I would yeah. like to know if all the people who are rushing around us, they see stuff like this all the time. Yeah. So do they look really perturbed or upset or is it just business as usual? Uh, the three people you've seen, Kathleen, the receptionist, and the two orderlies that Orderlies that have uh, poured out. Kathleen seems by far the most startled. Like, it's she's not really actually you here. <laughs> she doesn't look like she's like been around for a while. Like, oh, it popped off in a way, and uh, I don't really know the protocol, which is why she was so uh, eager to align to a point of authority. Uh, the orderlies, on the other hand, seasoned professionals, uh, and they are moving closer to you and waiting without grabbing you. Like, you're not being manhandled, but you can see that they are on deck if you begin to uh, pop off in the way that the doc warned. I am starting to wheel away from the direction 
of where Elsie wants to go, trying to draw attention <laughs> oh, away from yeah. the smile. I yes. chased after him. Grandfather, no, 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 you, no, 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 you can't. But I'm barely uh, running. You're, like, yeah. You're, you're doing the, like, I don't know how to watch him. And they're trying to, like, figure out, like, how the fuck do you get in the way of someone with wheels? Oh, he's so, like, Side to side, kind of curvy, agile. Like I'm used to, like a like a juke. This is new. Serpentine, serpentine. Yeah. <laughs> so as they're trying to like figure out the best way to like have coverage on you, you draw them back towards the front door, and now you have space. You can see uh, Kathleen speaking into the office, and she stands back in a way that would suggest that she's waiting for the director to come out. So if it is your intention to go in that way. Uh, you can head off. Like you just, you know that you've got a couple seconds before yeah. she emerges. So what do you want to do? Um, ideally, I would be part of the fracas still until the director is pulled past me, and then I would, when his attention is distracted, I would slip in behind them. Okay. Uh, yeah. You wait a couple seconds, and you see uh, her emerge. Director Greenvale is a shorter woman, very like. Thin in that way of uh, runners. Like, there's just not a lot of extra flesh to her. Appears to be in her early 40s. Short, severe, blonde bob. Uh, and eyes that you can't really get a read on behind some fairly thick, like, half frames. Uh, and she's dressed pristinely. Uh, it's the early evening, but she looks like she's wearing, like, freshly pressed clothes at the top of her day. Uh, and she comes out sort of nods something in uh, confirmation to Kathleen and then gives her the go-ahead. Kathleen takes off farther down the hall in the other direction and she turns and just casually walk, like walks your direction. Uh, seems <clears throat> seems like we have a little bit of a problem here. Uh, I'm still oh, waiting! Can we just yes, see please, you? please, if you could just go speak oh, to him, please. Who are uh, you? Are, are you, you real? That's you? real, Grandfather, please! It remains to be seen, sir. Uh, one second, and you see, uh, she slides off of you in a way that someone who works with rowdy patients and people uh, in crisis, just none of it is hitting her in any emotional way. She relocks in on you. Are you the one that's going to be committing him, ma'am? Yes, um, and transparently this is I'm new to this sort of assignment, so I'm a little frazzled, okay. and I was hoping that maybe you could mm. calm him because nothing I'm doing seems to be helping. I will up. I want. Okay. Uh, you're the one, aren't you? I want my room prepared. You get. I want a free room. <laughs> I want a free room. I grab. And I want it to be real. How close do you get? I get right up, and I actually tug on her sleeve. The moment you get within like melee range, her foot comes up in her skirt and she stops you with the heel like in between your knees yes. on your uh on your chair she goes sir yes i'm gonna need you yes. to wait a moment i'm speaking I, I want to be in a room i want to be in a room away from this one and her oh, tricks I want to be put in a room this granddaughter please right now I'm so sorry. Well, I'm, I'm just... i don't want to speak to any underlings or flunkies or phonies i want Eyes someone real I need you to calm down. My name is Director Greenvale, and I will take care of you. But nothing good will happen if you continue this way. Do you understand? My own room? Yes, your own room. And you see her kind of scanning you, 
you're nicely dressed and it seems like only after she sort of appraised you did she agree yes now can you give us a minute mr ogilvy ogilvy is that of the the ogilvy's in silver slip no i'm from the sidle hmm okay we'll take care of you you're a liar uh, she's going to try to refocus on you. So what do you want to do to try to break away from this? I'm just going to say, I'm I'm so sorry. I would love to speak to you about everything that's happened thus far, but I really would like a moment to compose myself if I could. Um, so if, if you wouldn't mind, please, just taking him to his room and I will meet you there. Understood. Uh, I have to... Okay, just send Kathleen off. That's fine. Uh, I will draw up some intake paperwork uh, if you can just hold on here. Are you uh, sort of the executor of his estate? Can you sign that paperwork or would that be That would be her. That would be me. Okay. I'm his granddaughter. Uh, I'll be back with paperwork for you. Take all the time you need. There's a powder room down the hall on the right. Thank you very much. Uh, and she truly just, like, foot comes down. She pushes past you like there's just a coldness to her as she goes back uh, into her office. Oh, she goes back into the oh, office? Man. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, I knew it. Okay. Uh, mm. uh, okay. I will say, 20 yards away, uh, you see her moving back in that direction to go grab something. I'm just going to be gone. Yeah. Uh, as if I'm in the powder room. So we and I'm going to try to wait to have them all go. Perfect. Into yeah. Um, before she makes it about like 20 yards away. Mm -hmm. Okay. Madam Glass just as loud as she possibly can just, oh, I can't take this anymore. And then just faints, just dramatically faints on the ground, furs all over the ground, rings flying out. You land on the ground, like do you commit to? Oh, yeah, oh baby, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, as you hit, uh, you see the orderlies have sort of moved off of Cosmo and are looking at you. And it's at that moment that you see uh, like the swing of the bob as the director peeks back out. And, what now? Fuck. Uh, and she comes back out and moves in your direction. Are they far enough away that it would be safe for me to go to It looks there. like now everyone's grouped up around these two. Okay. So they're not even looking back in your direction. Okay, I'm the way is here. I'm gonna get in there then, I guess. So you're diving into the office? Oh, yep, yep, Perfect. that's what I'm doing. Okay, uh, you slip in, do you leave the door ajar? Do you close it? Do you lock it? How committed are you to giving yourself time? Fuck, um, I think I need to keep it open so that I can hopefully move out quickly nice. if I need to. Okay, and then we'll cut to that in a second. Let's go see what's happening in the back of house. Gentlemen, what's your plan? Uh, if he can hack it, uh, we'll scale the wall, wait till there's a break in the guards, and dash over into the darkness. Lead the way. I love all of this energy. Okay, your timing is locked in. I need both of you to make move rolls to go up. I will say a slight difference in stakes between the two of you. A regular roll 
Regular stakes, because you've seen it done before, you have a sense of how to get up there, though you may not have a perfect sense of like just how physically precarious it is to go up. But because your hands are bandaged, this is going to be a little harder for you. It will require a full success oh. for you to get up in time. Like a six? Yes. Oh yeah. my God. How do I heal them? And this is on a... I mean, you, did you use magic to heal him or did you I touch him? I took his body up? away, his body mark. Right. I think that sort of handles the like, he's no longer uh, dealing with the deleterious effects of harm. Okay. But, unless, do you want, how badly do you want it to be gone? How important is it to you that he is unimpeded and unbanded? I think it would be important to her, yeah. So maybe there's something in the like, the way you bandaged it and the way you've cleaned these wounds that almost feels like they're just, they sort of sealed up again. Like that's how precise you were, even though this like was very ragged ripped damage, everything just settles in a way like it was more of a surgical cut than a series of scrapes. You're not worried about why it worked, simply that it did. Take a bleed. Baby's got one more bleed. In the pocket. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> Your roll is normal. Okay. Good luck. <laughs> so if this is a rope, is this a move or a finesse? I, I probably have to go up there with the rope first and drop it down to you, I would assume, unless you're, you're gonna let us. But do you have that. a, I mean, I'm happy to let you have a grappling hook. <laughs> I mean, If I, you want a grappling hook. <laughs> sure, I mean, we knew we were gonna go break into a yeah. place, right? Yes. Uh, then yes, it can be uh, a, an interaction that would be move or control. I'll let you decide what you use. Doesn't matter to me. So I'll burn a drive and just start uh, climbing up. Okay, six. Would have been fine. You actually see uh, he makes it look easy. That first initial scrabble. Uh, sort of belies how effective and really graceful he is. Uh, he's lithe, he slips up, like it barely makes a sound as it catches at the top of the wall. And he's making like a little too much eye contact with you as he begins <laughs> to climb. And you actually see that Oscar, uh, you understand that there's like a muscle memory to uh, certain behaviors. Cause you actually see as he climbs, he's tucking the rope under him at first to cover his tracks. And then he remembers that it's for you too. And he releases it. Yeah, before him. I release it, I'll just be like, uh, hey, do you want to take off that jacket before you come <laughs> in? <laughs> Not really, no. All right, fine, just don't, sparkle us so much that you get us caught. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna add a drive because the fuck I'm getting shown up by this. <laughs> I love this energy. I'll also give him a drive. Because oh. I'll pull, I'll pull. That's Ooh. So Oh, That's good. so good. With, with one arm. I think you guys might have a sexual attack. <laughs> one arm? And in that way that like, he's not hiding that he's doing it. Oh, man. Wow. Okay. Uh, 
I barely make it with a four. Okay. Next success. You make your way up and you can feel him like assisting you. You can feel the ways in which you are confined by your outfit, though your pride won't let you uh, back down. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna make you take a brain mark as your pride has been checked <laughs> in a really foundational way for you. I, I got you. <laughs> Take a scar. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you, Oscar. What would I do without you? We'll find out soon enough. Um, let's look out for the guards. You look right, I'll look left. You look out and over, and like looking in, you see that the guard, the guards are guarding the perimeter, and I think you can have that moment of being significantly more impressed with Silva's ability to escape, because again, it's that polished stone, sheer face that he was able to work something out with a little bit of the trees against uh, the wall, even though they're not touching and a little bit of the ivy, like whatever he did was unreal to get up and out. But there's no one patrolling the inside. So you can drop down, it's just a bit of a drop. Let's go. Sarkas made this climb unaided. Yeah, he must be some sort of acrobat or something. Oh, he was let out. Well, we'll figure that out later, I guess. Come on, we gotta go. Right, I'm right behind you. All right, I take off. Use the rope and drop down? Yes, please. Okay, no roll required. You drop into the back and you have a clear view of the two areas of intrigue. You know that you've got a football field's length uh, to the door where people are moving around inside, but the moon is out but there's a little bit of cloud cover. It's not so well lit that uh, you would stick out like a sore thumb. And most importantly, you're not wearing the stark white clothing that would give you away in uninterrupted uh, expanse that you have a, like, as long as nothing disastrous happens, you can make your way to either one of those points unimpeded. Go to the closer one first, I guess. I'd like to use focus to analyze what might be the most strategic place to go. Okay. Closest isn't necessarily the best. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead and give me that roll. <laughs> Why can't we just be friends? All oh, right, because I don't like you. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so double fives on my gilded, so a success. Nice. Yep. I would hope. Make success. Uh, and you get a drive back if you spent it. You look, you have a little time, you can breathe, you can think. You could split up, but splitting up is dangerous. There's just enough distance that like, if something goes awry, you're not able to work together and these walls are strange. Uh, do you leave, just as a note, do you leave the rope hanging down or you take it down with you? If we wanna get out fast, I would have left it hanging. 
The only thing I would consider is there is no way your father is getting out with that rope unless we carry him ourselves. Cosmo is gonna be fine. He's got the doc with him, he's got the madam with him. So we take the rope. And your father fends for himself. I. We still need to get out, don't we? I suppose we do. Lead on, Captain. All right. Closest one first. Uh, you make your way across the grassy expanse to three sort of stunted oaks and some low-lying shrubbery. And you don't have to get all the way to the brush line to see the ways in which that like low-lying plant life has been recently dug up and ripped out. And you realize quite quickly, even through the shadows uh, and the not nearly enough moonlight, uh, that you are looking towards something that is hiding the depth of it from you as you approach a hole. Okay, um, how big? How deep? Get right in there, five feet across, and you look down without any sort of external light source. You don't have a strong sense, but it is just dark brown dirt that leads endlessly down. You don't know how deep it goes. Didn't happen to bring a flashlight with you, did you? A what? I have a candle. What in what the rent? Wow. <laughs> Even your gears, assholes. <laughs> Great, light the candle then. What is flat? Is a prison move or something? I don't understand. Okay. Yeah. Under the level of the hole so that the light hopefully stays shielded from our insistent patrols, I'll light the candle. You light the candle using the trees, sort of make sure that in as much as you can block yourself from vision at the back of the actual building, you tilt the candle down. And once you get a little light in there, you have a sense of depth. This goes down about 15 feet and terminates at this like slate gray shale rock that seems to have crumpled inward. We gotta go down. We don't even know if this leads into the sanatorium. Wherever it leads, it's weird, right? And Candela's all about finding weird shit. <laughs> oh God. That guy was scared, the Johnny guy, the patient guy, he ran this way, maybe it was to get away, to a secret spot he knew. This is the place on the map that's marked with the X. This is, is where Johnny disappeared. Uh, this is the, like, Direction exact, that yeah, this ran. is the trajectory. Mm. And with your memory of, like, bloody hands and being coated in dirt, yeah. Why? What do you know about them? I saw your face when you were talking to that guy. You went all blank. What do you know that you're not telling us? Not enough, apparently. 
Prepare yourself. For what? Horrors. After you. All right. And in that moment, as you steal yourself to go below, cut back to the office, you find yourself in a massive uh, office. It stretches out. Like, there's just not enough furniture for this place. You see what is too much of a, like, big mahogany desk, probably eight feet long, uh, beautifully carved, covered with all of the tchotchkes and like little decanters and pen holders. Uh, And it still feels small and a little simple to you. Like you grew up in finery and you understand like how all of that should look and feel, like what rooms that exude grandeur should evoke. And this feels to you a like sort of bad attempt, a mockery Mm. of opulence. Uh, You're standing on a nice rug, but again, too small for this room. Uh, The back wall is a bank of glass windows looking out onto the, the premises the lawns, and you have an unimpeded view as the curtains are open, and there's a little bit of moonlight. You see uh, to the left, all the way flush against the wall, again, a too small set of cabinets and files, uh, and on like the far right wall, a little wash basin, uh, but no other sitting arrangement, just her desk, her chair, her rug and the tools of her business. What do you look for? I'd like to look for, I think it would be potentially um, personal correspondence because the the nun, I don't think is necessarily directly involved with the sanatorium. Definitely not. Um, so <laughs> there must be something it wouldn't be in like medical files or anything, any information we're looking for. So I'm guessing I would go to the desk mm-hmm. and try to see if there's anything that looks um, like it doesn't belong there, like it isn't about the business that she would be conducting. Yeah, go ahead and give me a survey roll. Okay. Do I want to use drive? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was adorable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a mixed success. Okay. Uh, you begin searching frantically and you have that sense of like, I don't know how long I have, but I have to find it. They figured out a way to make it, but I'm on my own. And if I squander this opportunity, it's wasted and who knows what will happen to them and you don't know how they're doing. Yeah. (sighs) Do I do this? (laughs) The question is, how stressed out is Elsie in this moment as she searches? You will, at the end of whatever this is, find the information you're looking for. But how calm and how confident are you as you, like, search through? And it takes, 
you know, just a little bit too long. You're like opening more drawers than you you thought you would have to. Not calm. I think this is not most of the assignments that she's been on with Cosmo have probably been less intense than this. Yeah. She's already had to lie to and act in front of a bunch of people. That's not what she does. Yeah. So and she knows that there's the times of the essence. Yep. Um, and in general, the day has been kind of a bear. So I think she's yeah she's not composed at all. Okay. Token. How many are you at? Five. Good to know. I have one left. <laughs> one left. Oh boy. <sighs> you <laughs> eventually find it. You see it there. Uh, letters, uh, correspondence folded in a way that like official business simply isn't uh, on heavier letter stock that isn't used in like the day to day where you would spend time and money and care uh, in woven uh, paper and nice ink and maybe even like a light smell to it. Uh, and I will say your mixed success was not the panic. That was coming no matter what. Mm. The mixed success is that you notice as you're moving, as you're like kind of searching around the desk, looking for like a hidden uh, compartment because you're not getting what you want. You see just a little flicker of light off in the distance in the backyard and your eye flicks up to that like central little area of trees. And you're not sure what's happening, but you do see movement there. And the very specific yellow glow of a small bit of firelight or a candle. Do I know, am I geographically savvy enough to know that that's where they would be headed? You have that sense of like, oh, this opens out onto the back area. And looking at the map, you're like, great. I knew that there was like a thing in the middle, uh, one off on a side, and then the back wall. Uh, so, yeah. You can put two and two together and right. say that, like, that's either them or something different and worse is happening. Okay. I'm going to, if I can, because there's a window, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to glance and see, have guards noticed this? Is this something, am I the only one seeing this, or has there, there been? There's no one else out in that lot. Okay. Um... <laughs> I know Raj keeps candles on him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's so quirky. It's got to be true. Uh huh. I accept it. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, if well, there aren't. Man. We're experimenting. We're <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> temperature play. Um, so if I don't see any guards mm. that could notice them, I don't necessarily think that I would panic about that. Yeah. I would just clock that. Yep. They've maybe found something. Clocked, and it's just enough of a like distraction that your mind moves to them and like, oh, how are they doing? Yeah. How am I doing? We're all doing our jobs right now and we're under the clock. Uh-huh, okay. And then you find the correspondence. You open it up and see it and just don't recognize the words. It's not, it's not the alphabet that you've ever interacted with. It's just strange symbols patterned with breaks and all of the spacing of a letter written in Farron, and yet, even in your time in Candela, I don't know if you've come across ancient Farron, but you know you're not looking at your language. Okay. Something's different. I'm gonna pocket it, and then try to put things back yep. where they were, and then... You restore order and slip out, hoping that 
you didn't waste too much time. To my friends in the front, the fainter and uh, the freak out, how are you doing? Uh, you have two orderlies around you, like one's holding you kind of heroically, uh, and the other's just like kind of slapping your face. Like, come on, up, 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 filthy heads off of me. Ah, up. It's not filthy, I have to be clean. Work in a hospital. I peek over at Cosmo, see how he's doing. Cosmo at a lower level is, is still babbling, but at a lower frequency, isn't it? I don't really, none, none of you are real. This isn't real. Who are, but I've got one eye mm -hmm. creeping up to the hallway, waiting yep. for Elsie to appear. Yeah. Uh, who, 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 but I want, uh, yeah, he's lying to me, lying to me. <laughs> I'm old, I'm not even gonna make you roll because like you've so fully committed to like, I'm a distraction and I will spin up and down and in sync with that. And the moment you see just that little bit of extra moonlight, like before you see her, before you see her shadow on the ground, uh, you see the change in light there. Yep. Mm -hmm. Where am I? Spin up again. Where am I? I'm keeping an eye on him and I just mirror him. The more he freaks out, the more I'm... What is this place? Where am oh, I? I don't feel that. What's oh, happening? I'm gonna come back Where did the and... doctor go? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This. I'm so sorry. Did you pull yeah. it together? I don't want this. Yes. I want Great. my Thank room. You. I want my, my room. Sure. sure. I don't want this. I want Look, my room. You know what? Pearls. I'm missing well, my pearls. We can have them. Take me home to my room. Look, I'm so sorry. I, I want very, my room. I understand this is very unprofessional of me. Deeply. I'm What's so your name sorry. again? Um, Do you have a license? Yes. Prove to me. Just give me some kind of documentation home, because you're not giving me a lot of confidence in your medical room. abilities. I mean, I would, have, I would have. have. Yeah, you right. Have uh, yeah, suit. you're like you're reading perfectly as a doctor. She's just uh, unloading on you. Look, I'm so sorry. I will take him back to his. I can no. handle this. I just. I will take him home. You I, have I know. I will take you home. I will take you home. You have. 30 seconds to leave my facility, yes. or yes, all of you will be put under evaluation. Okay, yes ma'am, we are leaving, oh. we are leaving. Oh, okay. You can go to We're hell. leaving and I take him, you I take him and I start, I yeah. Yeah. him out and get home. Yeah, uh, you feel, like as you are sort of moving around uh, to like go grab the handles of his wheelchair, you see she puts a gentle, like, hand, it doesn't look flexed or uh, like hard on your shoulder. And with one violent jerk, actually like scoots your chair. So you are like pointed out the door in a show of like incredible strength with no effort. Take, take, take it away. Have a good night. You too, I'm so sorry. Oh, Make better choices. I, I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. Surround the brain. Circus of lies. <laughs> as we're leaving, he's, yeah. Yeah. That's what uh, And <laughs> as we're leaving the door, because I don't want this just to shut off. Yeah. What are, you, what are you giving me? I don't want that. I don't want that. Ow, ah, no. Ow, 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 ow. Is there a faux medicated taper off? Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, do you pause? Like, I What's think your, we're just, we're, yeah. we're going. We're, we're just moseying back to where. Towards the exit. I yep. want to be quiet by the time we get there. Perfect. Yep. Uh, you see the orderlies flanked by the director, and now some of the guards 
that were farther down in the hall and even maybe like a patient or two peeking through like the glass doors at the far end of the hallway. Everyone's kind of just watching the commotion. So on top of all of that, you have pulled any focus the guards inside the building might have had on the back. Sweet. And I am now just limp, limp body. <laughs> <gasps> <laughs> and you make your way out back to the quiet evening. Okay. Do you go down my little hole? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? Well, I want to ask. Yeah? How does bleed detection work? Like, what can be told from detecting bleed? So, uh, the idea of this would be uh, if you're trying to pick up a trail or detect bleed uh, in thresholds or amounts that like you wouldn't notice right away because anyone in the like, in proximity to incredible amounts of bleed is going to feel it regardless. But this allows you uh, a little more sense of focus, directionality, intensity, uh, and uh, the ability to hone in. Does it give any indication of, say, like, recency? Like, recency. if a, mm -hmm. a bleed taint has been in the area recently, would that be oh. something that you could tell with the bleed detector or not? So the fun thing about this is you get to tell me what your bleed detector is like and what it's capable of. And if it was important to you uh, to have that information, like the fact that your mind went to that, might indicate that it would be something that you would, like a kind of functionality you would want to have on you. So, yes. You don't have to like me, but do you trust me in this moment? No. <laughs> do you trust Elsie then? Of course. Then for her sake, you keep a lookout. I'm going to see if I can tell me if this creature's been down there, yes. You're gonna scurry down I'm not going the... down there. I just need to check on Bleed real quick. Can you do that for me? My attention will be focused here. I can do that for her. On that we can agree. Thank you. I pull a monocle out of my jacket pocket. Oh. Um, and peer down into the space. While I do that, my other hand, degloved, goes to my jacket and clutches a claw. And as I watch in the space, centipedes and maggots and small insects start to come out of the soil. And I'm watching to see the direction that they travel and just how dense they arrive. If it's scant, there won't be a lot of response. But if it's a high presence or recent activity, I'll see it in how agitated they are. You watch this strange set of circumstances. I think in your little bit of interaction with Candela, all of this is very technical and very clinical. Stupid little gadgets made of brass that spin and squeal. This feels close to the thing that you're looking for. 
monocle up, his hand in his pocket. And then, as if a fresh rain has sent uh, all of the bugs in this freshly churned earth upward, you see earthworms and centipedes rising up, writhing, wriggling, and then flinging themselves into the hole. You can feel it. She's there. So close. We Your have chest. to wait. Yeah. Wait? Wait for what? We have to wait for the others. I don't even know if they're coming here. The two of us alone can't handle whatever she is. And she is down there. I'll wait if you tell me what she did to you. We don't have time for this. We do if we wait. What did she do to you? What she did to me is of no consequence. Then I'm going down. She destroyed my sister. Broke her into something. I couldn't recognize. Shattered her mind and broke her will. And then tore her into a thousand pieces in front of me. Is that enough for you? What more details do you need? How old were you? Not old enough. I'm sorry. It was a long time ago. What are you gonna do? I scan around to see if any guards are afoot. Anyone picking you up our- You see that they're, uh, the guards that you saw milling about have now backed away and are gone. It's weird. <sighs> um, and if I look towards the front door, do I see any of our people? Could we, we would have presumably made some sort of plan about meeting up again. Oh, or you something. would think. You would think. <laughs> That's really fun. I didn't hear it. Yeah, fair enough. Either. Fair enough. Fine. I'll go get them. Wait here. I'll go get them. I'll, re I'll be right back. You went. Fine. I'll close up my coat and scurry across the back, around the back towards the front. See if I can find our friends. Okay. Uh, you get back up and over the wall. Uh, over the wall? We're inside the wall, right? Yeah, you're inside the wall. Yeah. Where are you I'm heading? I'm going to the, I, I assume like there's this a- This is basically like a backyard with like a single door that leads into oh, the building. Oh, it's not an open, 
thing. No, it doesn't go all the way around. Oh, you are I, stuck I in the backyard of this place. I, did I didn't either. either. I didn't explain <laughs> well, and that's on me. It's not like a campus that we're inside the no. walls of now. No. How am I going to get? How here? are they going to get here? Uh, well, if they're gonna go, if I knew that, then I would, I'll go around, up the wall, all the way around the front to, to fetch them, I guess. You know what, no, we'll walk it back. It's okay. You, you have a backyard. You see that, like, the main building uh, is such that, like, that's the one door you can go to but there is that little bit of an edge between the main wall uh, that's like maybe a person's length and a little overgrown that it would funnel you towards that set of doors, but the wall and the building are not flush together on the side. Like there's a little bit of clearance. There's a dog run? There's a dog, <laughs> yes. There's a little, a little dog run on the side okay. that could get you to the front. Okay, I'll peer down the the little side yeah. run, and if it's clear, I will shimmy through. Yeah, you're able to like make your way and pick your way through, and you can hear them before you can see them because there's still a little bit of like getting around a corner and potentially interacting with like any of the guard cycles and rotations. But you can hear distinct set of footsteps, boots, heels, wheels. I can hear them. Yeah, you hear them like coming out okay. of the front of the building. Once they're clear, I will just give a, if I see them, I'll give a psst, psst. Oh, wait, so we, we hear them, presumably? Yep. Hey, over here. Oh God, what did you do to him? Oh, he's fine, he's acting. He's being a little bit too method. I think we're clear. Oh, yeah, do you know my father was in the circus? <laughs> All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna wheel him over. <laughs> so yeah, you have that sense of like, Oh, okay. Not seeing it from the front. We'll we'll give it up to a trick of the light and the imposing architecture that there is that little bit of gap there that is a little overgrown because it's not well manicured, but there is clearance to get to like the side and then the dog run and then back to the yard. Is there clearance for a wheelchair or yeah. do we have to pick him up? Okay. No, you, we can get a wheelchair okay. there. I could Yoda yeah. it if I need to. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like do flips and yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Oscar, where's Roger? Oh, uh, he, he's in a dark, scary hole that's full what? of weight. What do you mean a dark? You scary left hole? him there. I don't know. We, there was all sorts of worms and and bugs and stuff. And Take it. <clears throat> Took. Oh fuck. Because I would know, wouldn't I? Mm -hmm. Fuck. Mm -hmm. So I anyway. six dice. So. Let's talk about what's going to happen now as you explain and you watch as the good doctor begins to spin up. It's quietly at first, but you are aware of her breath, feeling it before you hear it. She's not panting, but it's steady and it's loud. You are going to roll 66, and I need you to tell me how many ones you get, if any. See it here. Doc. What did he say about it? He just said that there was lots. I'm sure it's fine. Hey, calm down. He wouldn't have stayed there if it was this. I got one. One, one? That's all it takes. Elsie. You're asking. 
you are trying to make sense. Maybe if you know a little more, if you know what was said, if you know what you saw, you could figure it out and you could spin yourself down and then you feel it almost like a pulse, almost like a release that begins not in your heart, but your lungs as your breath takes over and you are lost to it and you begin to transform. Can I croak out a run before I start to transform? Yes. Okay. Y'all know what that means. <laughs> I do. I don't know. Oscar. Cosmo. If you've ever, has Cosmo ever seen it? Uh, no. Just Oscar. I know. Then what's about to happen will be quite a shock. Run. Would you like to describe what happens as Dr. Elsie Roberts loses herself to her beast? I would love to. Yeah. Um, so I scream, run, and then I manage maybe to croak out a, croak out a, Raj, run! As the veins in my neck pop out and the, the clothing on my body begins to shred as muscles that don't belong to a human start to gorge out of every part of my body. My face, the skin on my face tears and in its place becomes a bastardized version of an orca and a mantis. And as the muscles protrude with sickening crunches, as my bones elongate in ways they're not supposed to, I get onto all fours and I become impossibly large. So large that I'm towering over them and there's no vestige of who I was in my eyes anymore. I am a creature and I am gasping for air, and as I gasp for air, a fog flood begins rolling over the surrounding grounds. It's covering everything you can't see an inch in front of your face. As I pant and squeeze and pant and wheeze and then scream and rush into the sanatorium. Into. Into. Oh, we're just going in. Oh, Elsie, I'm so sorry, child. <laughs> as, as that's happening, I instinctually uh, put my body between hers and Cosmos. Um, and before she runs off, since I know this is happening, mm -hmm. I'm going to try to prevent her from doing that, if that's Ooh. all right. I would love it. Yeah. There's a moment we can have here, if we all agree at the table. You have one, one that you need to resolve. Uh -huh. Your beast must destroy something in order to resolve itself, in order to move through it. And there is something offering itself to you. It would be so easy. He's right there in front of you, defenseless. Do you think your beast would turn away such easy meat? Could I make a roll to see if there's any Elsie in there that knows who's in front of her? I love dice games and I love story. You want me to just choose? <laughs> but this is not a roll of the dice. Your beast is not reasoned with, and Elsie is not home. Whatever you choose, we will respect and honor as a table. I simply ask that you choose. 
and know that we all know what kind of story this is. Okay. No okay. wrong choices. What does the beast do? The beast would take Oscar by the neck and slam him against the nearest wall and start choking. But with the force of a gorilla, basically. You do the thing that you always hoped to do, which was protect. You agreed to be here in order to look out for the old man. And there is a perverse satisfaction to getting your wish. There's no fighting it. She's too strong. You knew what was coming. You knew what would happen. So I guess there's not a lot of fear or noise or fight as you feel the tender flesh of your neck give way. First your larynx, then the bone, and then nothing. As I am, as my throat is crushed, I will try to eke out uh, just a very calm, it's okay. It's okay. I'll be fine. And then he's dead. And you feel yourself sated. You return to the surface. And maybe the fastest it's ever happened. You come back. But we're not worried about Elsie right now. Oscar. We're here again. It's just you and me in the dark. What? How many times has this happened to you? This will be seven. Again and again and again. And maybe this time you hope it would be different. But it feels just like every other time. Oblivion and weightlessness. But you're still there. There's nowhere for you to go but back. I'm gonna ask you. You can feel it in this space. And I think some part of you knows that you won't keep the understanding of this back there. But you have to pay a price every time. You don't get to choose it. You will return again. You can't stay down. What do you give to whatever this is that pulls you back? What do you lose forever? A memory, a skill, a friend, an image. I've lost them all every time I'm killed. Every time. I don't remember my other kid. I've, I've forgotten most of my wife. I lost 
some of my charisma, my performance ability. There's, I don't really have anything else to lose. That's not true. I have only Cosmo. I only have my son. And so, if I take a breath in, I know it will cleanse my mind of our days together. You feel something in that space. There's always a pushback. There's always something that you're fighting against, even at the edge of the void. There's someone with you, something with you. It doesn't stay your hand or claim all of your breath, but just like a little gasp of surprise or panic. Just some, not all. He's everything. And even that cost is too dear. So, a portion. What do you lose of him? I guess I'll lose everything from before. Yeah. From when he was just a kid. That's enough. Part of you. Loving and doting and precious. Because every moment means so much because you'll grow up and someday you'll be gone and all you can do is hope that your time together will allow him the strength and the wisdom and the grace to move through the world well. A worthy cost. You have no other choice. It's gone. And you feel something important leave you. And it's not a voice, but you know there's a voice as something pours itself into the gap that your young son has left in you. And it tastes like old magic and melted gold. You're so close. Anymore. And I don't know if you will be there too. But I need you to come to me. So mad. You have no idea. And the more you pour your thought and energy into what this is and where you are, you're rocketed back to the world, to life. And you will never remember the conversation, the seventh conversation that you've had here in the dark. You all are standing over the corpse of Oscar Grimm. Um, what do you do? I'm holding on to him. Oscar, Oscar, please don't. I look over at Elsie. What in the hells was that? Elsie, dear. Oscar. Elsie, it's all right. Cosmo. 
It will be all right. I'm so sorry, child. I'm so sorry, Cosmo. No, no. No. Oscar, wake up. Oscar. I, I brought you here. I practically begged you. It's all right, child. It's all right. It's all right. Go ahead and take two brain for me of the trauma of killing one of your closest relationships. Now, I will say, Raj, uh, you heard the scream. You see, like, strange fog from that, like, side in the corner. Do you wait? No. Do you move? What do you do? I heard Elsie cry, so... You did. I go there as fast as I can. So you have definitely rejoined them as the fog begins to dissipate. No sign of the beast she became. Just the person you once loved shaking and sobbing and standing over a corpse. She killed him! Whatever she was! What? This beast! She's not human! She killed Oscar! Look at him! What are you talking about? His throat's been ripped out because of her! Whatever the hell that was! Everybody just take, take a breath. Take a breath. Elsie is like a daughter to me. What? It's going to be all right. We have to keep our heads in this moment. I'm gonna take one of Oscar's hands and sort of gently turn it to where I had bandaged it. You just hold and weep. Try to pull yourself together. Keep it quiet. You are still hidden. You are still a part of a mission. Take Lask by the hand. What are you doing? What if she hurts us? I can't be Cosmo! She's not going to. Look what she did. I can't be here. Cosmo, how can you trust her? As long as you've known me, you have to trust me. Cosmo, I can't be here. I'm gonna hold her. You feel it before you see it. The shift in the corpse as broken vertebrae snap into place. The, dis the distorted figure of his neck coming back into alignment. The rush of blood that brings color back to his cheeks. And then gently, peacefully, Oscar Grimm opens his eyes. What? Oscar? What? Impossible. He... Irene, most people call me Carrie. <laughs> I hate him so much, you know? <sighs> like, sometimes you just... Everyone to keep their heads I can't just move. What? I killed you, I snapped your neck, I felt your neck snap. How are you? Elsie, Elsie, how are you alive? I don't know, but that was loud, and we have to move. Are you all right? Look at me, are you all right? I go over to Cosmo, and I wrap my arms around him, and I give him a giant hug, and just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? 
I'm a burden on you. What, boy? I've, I'm a burden on you. No. No. This wasn't your choice, boy. It wasn't your choice. I should be taking care of you. Not the other way around. We don't choose. What our family is. It simply is. I'm sorry, Doc. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all of you, but we, we can't stay here. There's guards. There's... We have to move. We have to finish. We have to get out of here. Surely we can't take her with us. Look what she just did. She's one Do you of know us. now? I'm just gonna jump in, Glask. You know that like your raised tone, you can hear your voice carry. It wraps through that little uh, like dog run area. You can feel it echoing. And you see the low-lying fog on the ground. We will have to continue this somewhere else. I have right, I'm not these safe. Grounds. You're fine. You're one of us. Nobody's perfect. We just gotta look out for you like you look after me. Look, I like I look after him and he looks after me. So where do we go? You have two options. You know that the whole is important. But is that the priority? Do you prioritize the mission? or taking your shattered, broken circle to safety and cut, like cutting your losses. That's not my choice. It's the guy who lost his sister's choice. Lost my sister? You just lost yourself. Come. I don't understand. Out onto the grounds, away from this location. Come. Follow him. I'll see. He's fine. I don't know what transpired here, but he's okay. You don't know. You don't know. I don't know. And I'm not going to pretend that I do. But Oscar is okay. We're going to be okay. I wish that were true. And I'm going to... I think I'm gonna start booking it in another direction. You're in the center of this like little catch. So you really only have two directions. Like you're caught in that little like nook where either you come back from where, from whence you came and exit the grounds and leave and go somewhere else in the city, or you go back in the direction that Raj and Oscar came from to the back towards the hole. Um, the Doctor is, um, a phenomenon, yes? Yes. Yes. As she begins to leave, I'm going to use my uh, occultist ability, speak their language, and I start to speak simple words in old Farron that reverberate in a barely noticeable, unnatural way. And in the base of your skull, 
You understand me to be saying, come back. You are not alone. Come. Slowly, I'm going to, very much against my will, turn back around and look at Cosmo. Then let's go, now. We have to leave. Go to the hole. We're no. going to the hole. No. We didn't come all this way. I didn't die for nothing. I'm not losing more people I love because we're not ready. Do you understand? We're not even close to full strength. As it is, there's no chance. What are you talking about? We're fine. We're fine. She's broken in spirit. I don't even know what's happened to you. Doctor, I think Elsie's strength speaks for itself. It's official restart. In this moment, what is Madame Glask thinking? Uh, she is, she does not trust Elsie at all. She's torn between what she just saw and one of her oldest friends, Cosmo, reassuring her that everything is fine. And she wants to believe him so bad. He's never led her astray. I need you to take a brain. This is beyond the pale. This is inhuman, you it's not real. didn't sign up for this. You thought the monsters would be the things you fought, not the things you fought alongside. You have been in my home with my girls, and you didn't say anything, Cosmo, and you knew about this. How do I know you're not going to do this again? Good. How do I know if I'm not the time? Your voice is down. How do I know? If you're not. None of us are safe. I will take responsibility for this. Dr. Roberts is not a danger in the city from day to day with your girls or with you. I take it on myself. I dragged her here. Cosmo, if anything happened to you, Cosmo. I have lived enough for three lifetimes. Don't worry about me. In this moment, I think as the sort of like pivot point, the lack of trust, the lack of commitment to the cause, commitment to this, you don't have skin in this game the way the others seem to. I want you to make the choice. Which way do you walk? Back into the grounds, towards the hole, or do you leave? Walk back in, I trust. Cosmo, you've. You're the longest friend I've had. And if anything, I will be there to make sure you're safe. Dear Ray, 
don't want you to do anything you don't have a stomach for. But this is why Candela shines in the dark for so many centuries. If not for us, what will keep the dark at bay? Yes, we've had to dabble in it ourselves to understand and cope. Uh, Madame Glass takes a last look at Elsie. So we finish what we've started then. Lead on by the light of the candle. So you are resolved to finish what you began, to see this assignment through, to climb down a hole that goes down to mother knows where. And you time your passage across that lawn to the settling of the interior of the sanatorium. You make quick work using uh, some clever use of rope. Everyone makes it down, yourself included, past the dirt, down the slope, past that broken-in stone that you realize is the collapsed ceiling of some unadorned, unimportant hallway in an old Farron building. Now, in a city like this, that's so obviously and celebrated uh, for being built on top of the ruins of what came before, this would be unremarkable. But... Hmm, I need... Cosmo, yes. can you make a focus roll for me? Of course. Mm. <clears throat> so that's one of mine, yes. Uh, I will go just a straight rule as it is. With my archaeological experience, is this something that I can support Absolutely. Me? I'll give you a drive. Oh. Oh, you've already rolled. Save the chit. Never mind. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got a six on the gilded. Beautiful. <laughs> A full success, and uh, as your circle uh, deals with uh, how to lower you and your chair down, you begin to think, you spread out where you are and the mental map that you have of Old Fair beneath. And though there are places due east of here between the Seidel and the Centaurum River, uh, the Centaurian River, so many sites in Old Fair sit underneath Groundswell and Hallow Harbor and the Eaves and South Soffit. But to your recollection, you do not know of any Old Farren sites that sit underneath the Seidel. And yet, you are all down there. You hear it. You see it. You are in an unadorned tunnel, some 
attic caved in and a bureaucratic building, hallways extending in every direction and down littered by your feet, along with 2000 years of un uninterrupted dust and detritus, you see the corpses of five other patients. Their hands destroyed, broken down to nubs, missing fingers, beaten away as they spent their lives clawing excavating, getting down, following orders mm. from the nun, the ma. And they lie here, spent and forgotten. And you all see a mess of footprints headed off to the left, down a series of dark halls. You make your way carefully, as quietly as you can, until you hear it a little clearer, thumping, scratching, knocking the sounds of further ex uh, the sounds of further excavation down and away and low voices you make your way and then you feel it you know it you're just around the corner from whatever this is whoever's down here whatever's going on it's so loud the beating the scratching, the clawing, not with tools, but again, that wet flesh being flung against stone and wood and ancient history. They don't hear you. They didn't hear you coming. So you have a moment now before whatever happens, happens. What do you want to do? This circle is not broken, but it is most certainly bent. My sister Artica suffered a fate very similar to these chained servitors, and I need you to know the little bit that I found. Old Fair specialized in ferocious weaponry. Yes. One of their weapons that they found a way con to control was famine. Using dark forces, they turned locusts into flesh-eating, venomous spirits en masse. In the other lands, the remains of those barren fields were walked by children whose parents had been annihilated. The Great Maw comes from the despair of starving children. To that end, if we go in there with doubt or the crumbling of hope, we will never succeed. I don't have to like you to trust you. And I promise you here and now, I will give my everything to keep you safe. It is not an easy burden that Candela bears. We have carried it for centuries and more. I wouldn't have begrudged any of you for leaving. 
But I am grateful to have you here. If things go south, Rajan, all of you, uh, it will be harder for me to go up than it was to go down. Don't let that trouble you. Do your duty. It's not going to come to that. We're not going to leave you. I agree. On the other side of that door. If she is here, I don't know the form she takes today. She was beautiful. And then she was toothed horror, like nothing I've ever seen. More insect than person. She will try to lever your greatest fears and your deepest mistrusts. I reach into the satchel I always have at my side and pull out um, a jawbone. This jawbone detects bleed. I found it. Thirty years ago or more, on a long dead fellow in another part of Old Fair. It has served me many a time, and as we move forward, I intend to use it to gauge how close we are to trouble. What does it normally feel like? when you detect bleed through that bone. It starts to bite like cold in my hand. The barest sensation of electricity to it. Similar but different. It normally leaves a bit of a welt, but it's worth the pain. The moment you wrap your hands around it, even through your leather gloves, you feel it. Stinging, sticking, cold. But what's more, your index finger wrapped around the back of the bone, you feel a little pinprick as a tooth in the back grows longer, pressing through the leather, piercing into your finger. There is no need to detect bleed. You are in proximity to it. You're here. We are in the frying pan, children. Watch your step. And we're in a, a hallway, just a standard hallway. There's not like offshoots or anything like that. Uh, you see that there are like other little areas. As you were walking down, it probably took five minutes for you to get over here, uh, walking pretty slowly and trying to muffle your steps in the dust. Uh, lots of offshoots, several collapsed in, uh, no light anywhere else. And the only sound you were hearing was this like thud and talking that you've followed to a blind corner that you're about to uh, cross. Madam Glass has been keeping a close eye on Elsie. 
What are you looking for? She still doesn't trust Elsie. Um, and is still very scared of what may happen. Elsie, what's behind, whatever is behind that door, will you be able to control yourself? You say this thing feeds on mistrust. Then I owe you an explanation. Yes. I'm dying. I have. Call it. You've probably seen it at the glass cap. I'll jump in. All of you know of Cullet. There's a technical term that no one can bother to remember, but uh, especially lately, in the last six or seven years following the war, uh, the poorer populations and neighborhoods and districts of New Fair have been falling ill with a degenerative lung disease that uh, as the patient, uh, as the victim coughs, they have a sensation like broken glass inside their lungs, ripping it up, hence the name. I was researching it to help cure some of my clients in the eaves that didn't want to be associated with what they saw as a degenerate's disease. And in the course of my research, I became ill myself. And so I started experimenting. I tried to find ways to keep the pain at bay, but the worse it got, the more desperate I got. And I started meddling with things that I, I didn't know about before I met you, Raja. And I became something unrecognizable. That beast out there. Yeah. Need you to take a break. Ooh. At hearing this. And having said that, uh, go ahead and empty your beast pool yes. as it resets. Beast pool? Mm-hmm. You don't have a beast pool? I mean, <laughs> it's more of a kiddie pool. <laughs> and now that you're returned back to life, if you have any body marks, uh, go ahead and remove them. I do not, since the good doctor already healed me. I have spent my time in Kendalha only around Cosmo and Oscar because I know I'm a liability. I know I'm dangerous. And I've been able to control it until you came back. The one 
If I can't control myself in there, I'd make a very good distraction. And I would encourage you to take the opportunity and run. That's if you don't attack us. Whatever it is that you have between going between going between you two right now, make it clear. I don't want to risk any more casualties. We're lucky Oscar's still even here. Yeah, I... I mean, I'm not gonna lie, that was... That was pretty scary. Um, I'm sorry. No, it's... If I... I never... It's, um, something that I knew that you could do, but I... Uh... It hurt, it hurt. Just the same. And you were tasked to protect me and the girls. And I will. And I do. It hasn't... I thought that I... I thought I had more control. Madam Glask, I mean... With all due respect, I know that this is... super scary and we gotta keep moving. But... I've known Doc for a while and you've, you've known her too and... She's not a threat, she's a, a victim. I am a threat. Well, maybe she's both. You hear suddenly the speech stop. And shortly thereafter, that rhythmic thud. And just a <laughs> quietly from around the corner. Split up. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm honestly. I'm having trouble thinking uh, too clearly right now. Someone just tell can, me what to do. Can I? Ooh, I shouldn't do that. Never mind. Hmm? I'll take a brain mark if I do that. You feel like you're ready to do something? I'm going to wheel on an angle slowly while they're having their debate and try to look around the corner. Go ahead and give me a survey roll. Oh, I'm not good at that. But I'll burn a dryer and adjust my weight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes! Put on my action glasses. Sport <laughs> mode. Yes. Oh, I love that. Goes into this sport so mode. Good. Okay. Incredible. This so, was going to be a high stakes roll. <laughs> so this is survey. Yes. And with a drive, it's just a straight roll. Yes. Uh, and I will let you know the like expectation setting here is on a miss, you will be spotted. Because I think as you approach that corner, you see that there isn't like the beginning of hinges for a door. Well, maybe you would burn two drives there. <laughs> and I give him an assist. I'll be at the back of the chair and kind of help sure. ease him out so that if he tells me to, I can pull him back and cover. Yeah. Is that a third? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> I adjust my glasses and lean forward in my chair and try to be quiet as a 97-year-old mouse. That's a six. Beautiful. You wheel around, 
get that perfect little view now that you know that someone's controlling the wheels of your chair. You can lean a little more without worrying about squeaking or making a sound. And you see the edge of this cohort. You see a man, a woman, and a wretched thrall throwing themselves against a like massive stone wall trying to find purchase to break through. It seems like a strange dead end, uh, but the room is probably 40 feet by 30 feet, uh, and the ceiling kind of opens up, and you go from this low hallway that couldn't be more than seven or eight feet tall to something that expands up and domes at about, by your guess, maybe 15 feet of height. You said a, a man and a woman and a thrall? Yes. Another uh, one of those patients oh. that is bloodying themselves against the wall under orders that they can't help but obey even at the loss of their own uh, physicality. And the man and woman are standing back and allowing this. Is that what I'm saying? Yes. The woman is dressed like a nun. She is beautiful even in a slim profile. And the man has a look on his face, so taut and tight, uh, his features smooth over an out-of-fashion thin mustache with jet black hair slicked back, but all the countenance of someone who looks like he couldn't smile or shout if he tried. A very serious man that you recognize. Decades ago. Somewhere around 90 years. Yes. And it is only because of your full success and your wisdom and how often you have seen things that defy imagination and expectation that you are able to face this without taking any kind of mark. Quickly. Shoot a look back to Oscar, and then up to you, Rajan. They were like 50-ish feet away. Yeah, they're on the far side of the room, so you've got 50 feet. But you do also see that while they're facing each other, they're not speaking, they're kind of paused, uh, and the nun was sniffing the air delicately. And you can see the like body posture as you're being wheeled back, slowly turning in your direction. Yes. Yes. What does that mean? What do we do? Okay. And Oscar. What? It's another. Oh, two, two people? Okay. Three, three people. Wait. Do I understand Rush. what he just did? You absolutely do. Rush. Look at me. You had to keep this secret on your own. 
didn't make you feel safe enough to share it with me. But I will not leave you. We can't handle this if you are on that. You might as well come in. I know you're there. You reek of my favorite flavors. Roger, Roger. <laughs> we can still leave. No, my darling. We can't. I'm going to ready my core sampler and the acid vial that I prepared to open up a lock. I need you to make a sense roll because you feel it deep inside you, like a buzzing as whatever is deep within you, the rot that she placed roils and though after long years you have believed that you are the master of your monstrosity they know their mother and they're so close i'm going to add to drive uh oh can i do that if i have nothing incense uh yeah you can burn the sense now a one and a six. Oh. He knows how to do the drama. <laughs> that was delightful. The question is, which one are you going to take? The gilded result or the other? <laughs> I don't think I have much choice in this matter. I have to take the six. Okay. You feel it. And you feel the beginnings of something crawling up the neck of your fine-cut shirt. But it stops. It yields. And you hear her on the other side of this blind corner beginning to growl. Don't make me wait. Footsteps begin to move across the room. What's the play, Raj? There is no play, Oscar. We fight for survival. Cosmo rolls out into the opening. Now, what you see in front of the serious man who is hung behind and just watches serenely. The woman that walked forward, that was a nun, too beautiful. Proportions picked along lines that feel more mathematical than possible. And yet she was real and in front of you and inspiring feelings that maybe you have not considered in a very long time. That falls away. She releases herself, releases form and continuity, and she becomes this thing shifting algorithmically, fractally across line and form and sinew. Her limbs lengthen. You see musculature roping under her skin and the monstrosity of her 
everywhere you look, wherever your eyes linger, Cosmo, you see a mouth begin to form in the line and shadow of her shoulder and neck across the fingers that now stretch outward that terminate in too long of claws. The form of her when she was a nun and human was beautiful, but the point of her is a maw and she's moving towards you, smiling with too many mouths and too many teeth. I managed to tear my gaze from her for a moment to look at the man in the distance as she closes the distance and say, hello again. And I grab the brass knob on the end of my wheelchair and pull out an ancient brass dagger couched inside to meet this woman as she attacks. And the blade cuts through my own hand and glows pale blue at her approach. She sees it, she smells blood. You've made it easier, you've opened yourself to her and she loves when you open yourself to her. And she's going to pounce at you. I need you to try to roll to resist this as a monster flings themselves in your direction gleefully. I don't. I sink the blade using my ghost blade ability. You take a body mark for using your ghost blade. Yes, you attune a ritual knife to yourself if you coat it in your own blood. It is particularly effective against magical beings. And I stab knowing that she will reciprocate and then some. She falls onto you and folds around you and you feel the bites of a hundred mouths shifting again and again and again. And then one of the mouths screams as you plunge the ghost blade into it. And beyond expectation, she rears back blood pouring from a set of gapped, jagged teeth emerging from her left breast. We're going to take two body marks. Hey, lol. Terribly in my chair, holding an what? ancient Farron blade of crude, blonde. <sighs> I'm, if I may. Yes, please. Well, I actually have a question. Sure. At this point, does Elsie have the capability to bring out the beast on command? What a fun question. It's so early in your story and mechanically, we have a set of triggers that this is the onset. Anxiety and panic stack, breath caught, pushes you to a brink. But I don't know if you've ever chosen it before. I don't know if I have either. I'm wondering so if I if could we roll? try Yeah. now. I'm going to let you tell me what you're going to roll to see if you can summon this yourself. I want to try focus because I want to try to see if I can like pinpoint and almost try to commune with it and say that you're going to come out, but you're going to come out and I'm going to be there with you. A concession. 
mm-hmm. communication. This feels good. I think Cosmos speaking to you in that strange ancient tongue has alighted on the idea that it can be communicated with and treated with. Go ahead and make your focus roll. No one can assist you. It's fine. And the stakes are thus. A full success or a miss will allow you to transform. But only one of them will allow you to control it. This seems like a good chance to use a couple of drives. Burn them now. Where else would they come in? So I can roll. Should I just use all my drives? Smoke them if you got them. I'm going to smoke them if I got them. I got a success. A six. I'm just gonna ignore this gilded die, which was a one. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you like, put it away. Like, I don't wanna even look at it or touch it. <laughs> yeah. Go in the corner. What does it feel like as you begin to spin yourself up into this of your own volition for the first time? So, I think the intensity of telling Raj, of seeing him take Scarlet, of all the implications that that is, of having killed one of my only friends, and now seeing one of my only other friends being at, like one-on-one with this horrible beast, I think the panic is starting to come. But it just happened. So there is this sense of, not again. You don't get to do this to me again. Not without me being here too. So you can come out, but you're going to play nice. And I let the transformation begin to happen, but this time, it isn't as intense. There's almost like a calmness to it as my arm extends and my legs extend. And as I start to transform, I say in a voice that is part beast, but part Elsie, get behind me. And as I transform, I'm going to lope into the room and put myself between Cosmo and the moth. And I will add to that. You speak, get behind me, you think it. But the beast, this thing that you are, is a thing of stories and tales told to children in the Fairlands for centuries, millennia. It is not of the language that you use. So when you speak, only those that speak Agent Farron understand you. The rest hear growls, words, syllables, hard and sharp, filled with great power, as the beast within you is pleased at a target. And you see the maw, this terrible, creature, bleeding, confused by her moment of triumph, takes a step back, confused, concerned for the first time in a very long life. Before I have your beast attack, is there anything anyone else wants to do or put into uh, play? In the panic of seeing the beast again, I rush over to Cosmo and grab his chair 
and as fast as I can, run behind Elsie and back to where we came from to get him to safety. Thank you, dear. Yes, Thank you. Are you all right? I have seen a few better days. Uh, I take off my shawl and I start compressing his wound. Hmm. Stay, stay still. It's crimson in seconds. Anything from over here? Uh, I am uh, seeing Cosmo attacked uh, and seeing Elsie change. I'm. My instinct is to react, to pounce, to to fight back. Um, but just weirdly, I just don't know what to do. I I reach for something at my hip, and there's nothing there. Um, I'm just a, I'm just a little confused. It's it's like I've forgotten how this all works. Yeah. Uh, and so for a moment, I'm just sort of looking around, dumbfounded at what's going on. I will say, in that moment, as you search and look and assess your group and assess the room, you make eye contact with the serious man, and he narrows his eyes and recognizes you. Do I recognize him anymore? I think there's a lot of things that you in that space have agreed to trade away. But I don't think there's any world in which, even if you thought in that moment it was important to forget and move on, whatever was in there with you knows that it's too important to forget. You could forget the name of the ship Anyone else in that crew, the people that you traveled with and worked with and performed with, you could forget every other member of your family and maybe there are some there that you have, but you are not allowed to forget this man because he is why you're like this. Uh, seeing his face and his stupid mustache that looks just like mine right now. <laughs> No, it's very thin. <laughs> Yours is like it's fashionable. You're giving Peaky Blinders. Uh, I'm, I'm just overcome with shock uh, and rage, and um, I guess I'll step forward, and I will focus myself, uh, and I will just take a ready stance in case in case he comes closer but my eyes are locked on him now not on not on the crazy uh, mouth woman yeah <laughs> good Rosalind, I need you to take a bleed you are next to her it's undeniable all of the old history comes crashing back in you and through you, not as trauma remembered, but trauma lived in this moment. What do you want to do as your friend, Elsie, or whatever she is now, truly is now, begins to attack? I've never seen anything so beautiful. And I suddenly won't leave her alone. And I have never seen more looking like she was on the back foot. And I hear a voice in my head, Mother Mercy, ensconced in white. And I recognize my mother tends the hungry day and night. 
and I hear my sister, Arika. And I continue the nursery rhyme which I now know to be a chant of binding. Loving mother to the poor, and I start to loosen my cravat. Dare not enter through her door. No. Mind this verse, Stop. lest you should meet. Stop! Please mind Shut her up. smile, and mind her no. teeth! Your name is known to me, Great Maw! Now unbind us from tooth and claw! Mouths across her body snap shut, and you see the shifting thing begin to freeze and panic. So the normal way we agreed on resolving your beast was never about a role. It was never about mechanics. It was about destruction. One for the one success. You need to do one great and terrible act to save the beast and return to yourself. No role required. What do you do? I would like to plunge my claw into the maw's chest. And if I can find something approximating lungs, crush them. You plunge in with an arm like the knuckles of a gorilla, like the claw of a badger, like the sharp spike of a mantis, and a mouth slowly beginning to freeze itself shut, opens enough to scream in defiance, and you plunge in past it. You touch something soft. There's nothing soft about her like this. And you grab, and you pull, and you crush, and you feel it. What breath is, what it means. It is not just air, it is a soul. So much of Old Farron death culture is around breath. Protect the breath, keep the soul in the body so that it doesn't wander this world. But you feel it now because you are like it, magical and wrong. You crush it. And I want to ask you, you feel the soul beginning to move through your fingertips. Do you let it go? Or do you take that too? How much of a monster are you right now, Dr. Roberts? I don't think the beast would discriminate. So, if it's possible to crush a soul, my grip tightens. You crush the lungs, you crush the body, you end the life and you feel yourself uh, in tune with the beast, but this it knows as a predator. 
lashes out, snaps at the air over the maw's crumpling form, bites, bites the soul, dispels it, destroys it, takes it into itself. And your beast is a little worse now for it. The line of the mouth gets a little longer. New rows of teeth. An impressive addition to a terrible creature. That's it. A terrible act. If you want to try to hold on and continue a rampage, I'll have you roll again. But you do feel yourself beginning to calm down and move back to yourself as the serious man in the back, uh, seeing what has been done, is about to bolt past you towards the only exit. And this thrall, even with the thing that compelled it to throw itself away for a cause, for a goal, there's no tether, there's no magic to break. This is simply its truth, his truth. And he will continue to bludgeon himself to death against the wall. I'm going to let myself return to Elsie with the understanding that whatever I just did, I think I've made the beast even harder to control, not easier. I think that makes sense. You see the, the serious man begin to sprint past the returning form of Elsie, uh, and he's going to try to push past you to get out the door. I think I will uh, just sort of buckle down, lower my shoulders, and try to run up and tackle him as he goes. Yeah, go ahead and give me a strike roll. Strike, okay. Knockdown is one of the three listed. Yeah, I will use drive. Why not? I will say in this moment, you are tending wounds. If there's any way uh, anyone else wants to assist in this moment, you can. I'm going after the serious man. Okay. Uh, I rolled a three. On the gilded. Okay, you get your drive back. <laughs> Something. You lower your shoulder, and this man, who's maybe only an inch or two taller than you, barrels through you with a strength you didn't expect. You wheel and turn. Please take a body. Sure. And you stand as the last line of defense as Madame Glask and uh, Cosmo are off to the side, tending wounds. Last chance. He'll get away. What do you do? You know him, too. How many walks did you go on, spotting him and your mother in quiet conversation? Your past really is coming to haunt you tonight, and it's getting away. No. No, he's not. I take my pointed ring and gouge from shoulder oh to navel. Everybody's fucked up. <laughs> and, tear, <laughs> and tear the remnants of my jacket and shirt, revealing paper and hexagonal cells a hive 
built into my body. <gasps> what the fuck? <laughs> I reach for the serious man. Specifically, his legs. And I tell my children to feed. <gasps> children? What the fuck? These locusts, this sign of pestilence that was inflicted on you by the creature once known as the Great Maw. So long you thought it was a plague, a curse, a punishment for being too young or naive, not strong enough to stand up against her. But over time, an affliction can become a part of you. They are yours and for the cost of to bleed they will follow your directions perfectly where often they only uh, follow your energy and swarm and bite and sting as they would do do you accept this cost As I direct my host, parts of the hive crumble, and two runes on my tattoos burn into scars. My claw marks start to tra travel across my face, entering the eye, where something other moves, and I collapse, knowing that I've done all I can. And it will be enough. From his legs, you all watch the direction in which he reaches and points. Uh, the little bit of uh, light given by the like hand torch that he was holding and directing the work with casting shadows across the room, but never on himself. They swarm at the ankles and move upward, ripping away clothing, fine, but maybe a little strangely out of date. They leave welts and scabs and scars as they go, moving up, feasting, eating, building on themselves, impossibly. A hive becomes a swarm, becomes a pestilence, becomes a plague, and this serious man is lost within it. Does it look like he's gonna die? Yes. I'm gonna call out, stop, stop, please, you can't do this. You can't let him die, stop. He falls to the ground unconscious. Can I? Ooh. What I do have. Did you Ooh. try to stop this? I have. <laughs> well, I, I went back to being normal. Okay, okay. And I have resuscitate. Well, did you take a scar just now? I took, yes. So, resuscitation when a nearby ally takes a scar, you can make a focus roll in an attempt to immediately revive them. Oh. Damn. On a That's... six, it works. Oh, boy. Though they still receive the scar, they're back on the feet. On a four to five, it will cost three drive points of your choosing. Oof. I'm going to do it. Okay. I used all my drive on the last one, so she's gonna be. Uh, is there a way I can assist? Him? Oh. 
Well, maybe I think <laughs> <laughs> Should I take, I'm gonna take the mixed success so I can get a drive back, but it was a five. Okay. That matters. Okay. So I'm going to, seeing seeing what these guys are saying and with what little strength I have left, I'm gonna But you still have to spend two other, you still have to spend three drives on a oh. success. Then I should just take the six. You I should just the take six. the six. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I'm extremely fatigued at this point, but hearing them shout, I'm going to like drag myself over to Raj and flip him over and start whatever, doing whatever resuscitation means. Um, <laughs> whatever that looks like. You are looking at a man whose face has split open oh, and the oh. hive in his upper torso has collapsed. So uh, we can say that this is less of a like medical event and more emotional. of, yeah, yeah, it's an emotional connection. It's a reaching with the thing beyond what you know exists in this world uh, to do so. You will take a brain. Mostly, because this is a stressful situation. And you are pushing yourself. Call them off, damn it. Rush, wake up. My right eye opens. And in a kaleidoscopic effect, I can see Elsie in a fractal of nine. And the serious man in the background, and I only have the strength to whisper to my children, death is too easy for him. You let him live, but barely. Suddenly, they all stop. The swarm doubled, tripled, tenfold, all dropped to the ground dead. Your hive will be back. They always come back. Oh no. But the serious man is alive, but in shock on the ground. What shape is his flesh in? He's looking pretty bad. Uh, just ripped up by bugs. And like all of it's, it's like he was attacked by swarms and swarms of different things, biting things and stinging things together. So there are uh, welts of stings and welts of allergic reactions and bites and chews and blood. He's alive. As I'm eating and shaking. As I'm eating Cosmo, I ask him, Cosmo, who is this man? Why did we let him live? It's a full circle today. For my father and I. Your father? Oh, yes. I'll go over and examine the body while he's talking. Is that your father on the floor? No. That one is. Pick up the man and turn him over and see if his if it's the, the same face I remember, if it's him, if he's there, if he's alive. Yes, uh, he is hyperventilating. He's very shallow breathing and ragged, but he is alive, just barely. And you recognize him from the day you became whatever this is, mm -hmm. a ritual gone wrong 
or write at his hands. And then, in a moment of conflux as your ship broke, he left, abandoning his work and whatever great magic he called into the world foisted on you. He loses consciousness, but he is alive in your hands. I can scarcely believe it. Can you, uh, Doc, are you okay? Can you stabilize him? We need him alive. He has answers that that I need. The Elder Grimm. I'm going to look at Raj, kind of take his face in my hands and check him. And then gently put his head down and then walk over to this man. And I suppose I will try to tend to him. There's um, a lot happening right now, just to interject. He is stabilized, but bleeding out in his chair. Okay. Oh, Cosmo is? Yeah, let's do that first then, huh? <laughs> you have the serious man, unconscious and in uh, various states. He's been brought back, but has taken and is showing signs of damage that stagger the imagination. I would recommend that you take the spoils of victory here and now and recover in safety somewhere else. That sounds like a good idea. I just barely managed to lift this thousands of years old dagger and slotted into my chair and you hear old metal scrape as it slides back in. I call Elsie over. I scream, Elsie, please. And I put more pressure on the wound. I'll lift up the, the man, seeing, seeing Cosmo hurt. Um, I'll just try to shoulder him and yeah. carry him out. We gotta go, we gotta, we gotta save him. We gotta, we gotta go, now. It will take effort, but outside of the danger of the serious man and the great maw, you have time. You can make your way back, make your way up the gentle slope of dirt and debris that you came down into this random tunnel in Old Fair, a dead end, but no, not really. Time it, sneak, hide, make your way back. Get back to the safe house, the safe house, the chapter house, the antiquarian, and recover and figure out just exactly what happened here after you rest. Can I ask one question? Mm -hmm. I am able to get out on my own feet. You are, but barely. I can't leave a thrall of Ma alone down here to waste away. Yeah. And so I 
gently place my hand upon my, his chest. I take the core sampler and I ram it home and the blade from the tube runs through his front and spikes him to the wall in the back. And I wish him an easy and quiet rest. I think that's a good place to end. Because only you, with all of your knowledge of what your sister went through, what the Ma is capable of, and maybe the little bit inside of him that remembers himself and what he used to be and can watch himself reduce to whatever this is, will know what great mercy you showed here tonight. And with that, we will end the first episode. I was just one episode. I felt like 20. It's a season. <laughs> we got orcas and mantises and bees. Yeah. Oh, oh my. Oh my. Oh my. Jeez. Okay. Uh, before we go, as we're kind of transitioning out of heavy shit, uh, let's do the thing we didn't really get a chance to do at the top and introduce yourselves uh, oh, yeah. and a little bit about your character to the audience before we go. <laughs> we gotta get a little aftercare in here. It is Woo! heavy in the club. <laughs> let's change the music. Do we have some Cardi B? No, right? it's not on my stream deck. Wild. Let's this start with you. This actually happening at the end. Hmm? Like, we can talk about what has just transpired, or? Uh, well, this is just vague. a little quick introduction, because no one knows who any of you are. <laughs> and then we'll get into all of the fallout from that next time. Okay. Uh, I am Noshidalal, playing Professor Rajan Savarimutu, scholar slash professor. Slash B-man. Slash beekeeper. He's a beekeeping aide. <laughs> Eddie Izzard be a bit. Do you, do you know you're covered in bees? <laughs> uh, I am Sam Regal. I am playing Oscar Cary Grimm. And uh, that's it. That's that's who I am. And I, I'm very surprised at everyone's very intense backstory. Because <laughs> yours is super chill. Super chill. <laughs> I, think, I think everyone at this table is like, I've got something good. But nope, it's not as good as the next one. <laughs> uh, I am Gina Darling, and I play Madame Glask, uh, owner of the Glass Cat Casino and discreet brothel. Uh, am I the only uh, normal one here? Yeah. No Who knows? Out. We'll no find out. No <laughs> um, hi, I'm Ashley Birch. I play Dr. Elsie Roberts, uh, and I am half woman, half beast. In real life. <laughs> I am Liam O'Brien. I'm playing Cosmo Grimm. I've been in Candela Obscura for many, many decades, and I work sometimes with my father. Uh, <laughs> hi. <laughs> what is the skincare routine? Long yeah. story. Drop the product. And I have been Abria Iyengar. Uh, your overjoyed storyteller here for the circle of Tide and Bone. And we'll see you next time. Until then, take a deep breath in, out. Is it Thursday yet? 
Thank you for joining the esoteric order of Candela Obscura. If you enjoyed this tale, please leave a rating and review wherever you stream Candela Obscura, as your review may inspire others to join our fight against the otherworldly evils and corruption plaguing this realm. We recognize your bravery and sacrifice, and thank you for helping us protect the Fairlands. Rest well, and we shall meet again.